this woman to watch movies, and do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Jason. Joining me, as always, is Courtney. Hello. And, of course, Ryan Chalet. Hi. Wow. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's it? How's everything going? How's everyone good. doing? Good. What have, have any, has anyone been watching anything good lately? Well, we've been watching Maisel. I love it. Were you asking Ryan mostly? Uh, no, anyone. Oh, if anyone has anything good lately. I just kind of jumped in there. Ryan, have you been watching? Uh, how are you liking Maisel? We're loving it. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. I watched the first season and most of the second and the whole time personally i just kept waiting for it to get better because it never really pulled me in so maybe i should give it another try but glad you're liking it because a lot of people do i will say i don't think it has gripped me as much as it grips most people okay but i still enjoy it mostly because i really enjoy comedy oh and so i like i like the thing i'm a student of comedy <laughs> sure. oh, okay yeah <laughs> No, that does sound, that sounds like either I'm bragging about myself and also insulting you. But no, I think it's interesting academically when people, the behind the scenes of being a stand-up. Okay. So that is just intrinsically interesting to me, regardless of if I would have liked the characters or or anything else. Interesting. I will. (laughs) Thank you. I would also say when I first watched it, I kind of watched it all the way through. It took me a couple days. But now we just kind of watch one episode a night, and it always leaves me wanting more, which I would say helps. Would you say that helps a little bit? Um, Not necessarily. Okay, student of comedy. (laughs) (laughs) I I like it. I wouldn't say I'm always like, I gotta see the next one, because I I feel like it doesn't, it's not like a... No, it's not like a cliffhanger, but it's, it's so like... Lovely. I like, I always want more of it. I, I just watched, um, Promising Young Women, which I loved. I would say that's best movie i've seen this year so far <laughs> ryan we also saw that and i i will speak for myself i really liked it i loved it okay it was it was one of the best movies i've seen in the last yeah honestly like long time watching it i realized oh this is what my brain has missed it's missed a movie that tells a story that is fun to watch that's gripping and that is saying something that you want to talk about after yes totally i completely agree also genuinely surprising. I won't say anything more, but right. genuinely a thrill ride. You a should go ride. see it. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, and then I saw, well, I guess I've seen a few things I didn't realize. <laughs> Laid out um, I, I saw One Night in Miami. Um, Wait, where? Last night. Where? At Megaplex. Holy shit. What's yeah. that one? That's like the Regina King one. Oh, you saw? You already saw that? I did. That yeah. one's already out? Yeah, it came out. I don't know when, but it was in, it was in theaters yesterday. Oh shit, we gotta jump on that. Yeah, because I bet that's like a limited release. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, we gotta. We I gotta... mean, <laughs> I don't know. I I uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, yep. I have no idea. <laughs> do you work for Regina King? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is a paid advertisement. <laughs> the fun thing was, I went with one friend, and we were the only two people in the theater. <laughs> so that's how it's, that's how it's been when you do venture out. <laughs> I haven't really can't think of anything I've really been watching that I've really enjoyed, but I will give a shout out to uh, Binge Mode, which is a podcast. I just started their Marvel series with oh. on my drive home today. That's oh, gonna wow. be my my drive home podcast. It's okay. very very good. Okay, office worker. Wish I oh, had yeah. a drive home. <laughs> I go back. And, I go back and forth if I like it or not. <laughs> Pros and cons for sure. This is a big day. 
It's almost like we're embarking on our own journey, some kind of group, assembly, camaraderie. I'm not sure the word, but... <laughs> what are we watching today? Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. I've been practicing all day. Good job, good job. Very good. Here's, okay. here's how we're breaking this down. And this is how I've told multiple people, at least two people, I shouldn't say multiple. <laughs> this is how to watch it if you're new to the series and you are watching the extended editions, which we are watching. Um, you should split them up into six parts. So treat it like a six-part miniseries. I have recommended this to two people who have complained about the length of these films. Both people disregarded my advice, still watched <laughs> each like movie as a complete whole, and then complained to me about oh how gosh. long it was. He's so pissed. I hope he's listening right now. So that's what we're watching. We're watching them on brilliant 4K. Oh my gosh. Did Santa bring that to you? <laughs> I think so. I don't know how else they got here. <laughs> Santa knows. Uh, we're also debuting a brand new um, soundbar, the oh, Sonos Beam. I did not know that that was part of this The experience. Ringer's own Sonos Beam. <laughs> we switched out the one that crackles. Mm. So this is the first night with it. We'll see how it goes. Okay. I'm excited. Maybe it won't be that good. I don't know. I we haven't really listened to it. I mean, yet. we're people, on a journey together. All three of us are like listening to this soundbar for the first time. Wow! So this can also be a review of the Sonos Beam. So afterwards, we can give our honest opinion. Yeah, that'll be right. on our YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> Before we watch the movie, I wanted to one ask you a little bit of background of what how familiar you are with the story of Lord of the Rings. And then I also wanted to give you just a tiny, quick background leading up to this film specifically. So, for both of you, how familiar are you with these movies now? Okay, um, I I'd say I'm I'm, I'm very familiar. Uh, yeah, I I read the books as a kid. Um, I've seen them all multiple times, um, and I've especially seen this one. I think the most, The Fellowship of the Ring. I saw this movie when I was really little, 2001. So I was um, 10, probably. I was 14. Cute. Yeah. And I was 12. You said very little, and I was like, I was 14. How old were you? <laughs> I guess I wasn't very little. I was like. But little. 10 is little to that kind of movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, I saw them with my brothers and my mom. I just remember being like interested in them, and I liked them. Did you know anything about it no, going into it? Literally nothing. My mom, I remember, likes J.R. Tolkien. Mm -hmm. um, she's really big on books. So <laughs> books, the <laughs> art of reading. Yeah. So, and my brothers, I think, had read them and loved them. So I, I remember just like loving them, and then I kind of fell out of it as a teenager. I don't. I might have. I, I watched them all. In theaters, I've seen them all in theaters. Never seen the extended edition. Um, and then in college, I tried to watch them, and I just kind of lost interest. And then the last time I've seen this one was about a year and a half ago. Okay. And I loved it. Well, I'll even make a pitch for the extended edition because I feel like most people probably prefer that. But the reason why I even break it up is just to like kind of they're easier to digest if you watch them in two parts. But the extended edition, they just have little character beats. Like it's still a complete movie to watch the theatrical cuts. And you won't really miss what's missing. Because, Ryan, didn't you saw them recently for re-releases this past year, didn't you? Yeah, I saw them over the summer. Um, uh, almost, I guess, yeah, not a year ago, but early last summer. Um, and I realized, I think, I, well, I know I'd seen The Fellowship extended and maybe Two Towers, but I'd never seen Return of the King extended wow. till last summer. Okay. Yeah. 
I kind of swear by them. And once we finish them, I'll kind of let you know, like, key scenes were added that I think, like, really... They just, they add so much more context and dramatic weight to like some of the characters. I think the extended editions are like the ones you should watch. But the theatrical ones are obviously still good. Those are the ones that were won all the Oscars. You know what I right. mean? Like, and they're still very good, but I kind of regret not seeing those last year because I'm sure just seeing them again on the big screen was just awesome. It, it was fun. You saw the extended? Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, they were extended? Yeah, they were extended. Oh, what the hell? are you doing i don't know oh. yeah it was a uh, fat cats theater in saratoga oh man oh <laughs> and again just me generally just me and the friend i went with for the most part so i mean like when you saw return of the king it was like four ish hours it was so long <laughs> yes That's, i think i'd have a hard time with that um return of the king is four hours <laughs> almost well the extended one is oh i how do you how, how do you watch all of these in a row I have on one occasion watched all three extended in one day. Oh my god! Just kind of to see. I was like really pumped for it. I was like 15 and I was like, I'm going to do Here this. Here we go. Gonna, Saturday, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I did notice like around the beginning of the second one, I it was kind of like I was just doing homework. I, I was so checked out. It's just not the yeah. way to watch them. I think it's great if people love watching it that way, but that's not <laughs> how I would recommend watching it. Ryan, did you know anything about this movie or the story before you saw it in theaters? Yes. So I, I read all three books before the first movie came out. Okay. Young Scholar. Me, young Me was a reader. Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about this on the Bane podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Reading. <laughs> um, so I remember being so stoked um, to go see this. I remember seeing it in theaters. I was 14. The distinct thought I remember is, so Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out, I think, in November of 2001 you're right and this movie came out in december yeah and i remember walking away from this movie thinking why couldn't have harry potter been this good i kind of i'm like similar right yeah i knew i'd seen the trailers for these movies and mm-hmm. was like i don't i think i may i read the hobbit for sure i think i read the first lord of the rings book gotta finish just being like <laughs> kind of that's i felt like i was like i gotta like read the book first before i get to the movie <laughs> But Harry Potter was like my thing, you know, like that was the thing. I was like, almost totally, like, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Totally. And I like walked out of the theater from Lord of the Rings. I'm like, this is so much better. Yeah. It was that, so unfair. <laughs> it, like that movie was just, it, I just hadn't seen anything like it. I was 12. Mm-hmm. I was just young enough to still be very scared by some of the elements in it. I, yes. And I remember like sitting, because it came out around Christmas time and just kind of sitting with it, you know, and like just being, thinking like, Oh, that, that me. <laughs> this film more than the all three of them are very grounded in reality. But like the second and third one, they just expand so far out with the scope of the story. But this one feels a lot more personal and grounded, the first one. And so I just hadn't ever seen anything like really so fantastical uh presented in such a real way where I was like, this I think this could be real. <laughs> and so the things happening in it were very scary because Totally. I could v- directly connect with the people on screen because it didn't feel ridiculous or fantastical. It felt like a real person in this experience. Specifically, everything with the Nazgul mm-hmm. in the like, which we'll oh, watch tonight. Yeah. You're gonna translate that for me. The ring race, the guys in okay. the cloaks. Everything about them was so scary. Like they're coming to kill you. They had no face. They were yeah. They're terrifying. very very scary. Yeah. I specifically remember being very afraid of the orcs. Well, how much do you remember from this movie specifically? I could not give you like a 
play-by-play. Is it going to be a movie where a character shows up and you're like, oh yeah, that guy, I know what happens to that guy? Or is it going to be like, I don't really know what's going on? I'm not going to know what's happening to that guy. That's for, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm little, okay. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> 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 yeah. These are my very favorite movies. I, I think... know. I'm very excited to watch them with you because um, a note for the listener we haven't watched them no. because you've been waiting for this to come out on 4K extended mm-hmm. edition. Oh. So we've like, I've said, let's watch this, but we just haven't. Probably like, a, I think a year ago you were like, it was like a rainy Saturday and you're like, should we watch Lord of the Rings? Yeah. I said, not yet. No. Yeah. So this is, this is a long time coming. Well, and also like, I, so I devoured these when they were like in my teen years. Like I watched them over and over, like all the appendices behind the scenes stuff. Like I watched so much about this in my twenties and on. I really tried to like savor them like they were experiences. I watch them maybe once every five years and I really make like an occasion to watch it. I, the last time I watched these was summer of 2016. So like what I- What was the occasion? The occasion was I was living in Ohio for an internship. I was by myself and my internship was done and I had like an extra week. One night a week, I'm gonna watch like one sixth of this show and just watch them like every night by myself and just kind of like, that's how I'm gonna end out my time here. On your TV? Yeah. I I brought my TV to Ohio. I drove to Ohio and I brought like I moved out there for that summer and I I wasn't sure of the TV that would be at the apartment <laughs> that my internship was providing for me so I brought mine. You had to. Isn't that I'm so not funny? taking that risk, man. That my whole no. summer. I I am a changed person because I didn't used to care about that stuff. We've probably talked about how small my TV was before. You're looking at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> now my computer screen. <laughs> Like, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Or like a box TV that was like in my freshman dorm. Didn't care. I would pitch a fit now. Well, I remember, we maybe have talked about this before, but this computer screen, wow, would you, is this like 30 inches? Yeah, probably. This was like on the other side of Ryan your... eyeballs it. Yeah, uh, listen, I, the other day I thought, do I need a new TV? Well, the, the next logical step is a 4K TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at TVs. The industry standard for the smallest TV is 55 inches. <sighs> That's certainly not 55. No, no. I believe it. No, yeah. like that is, if you're getting a new TV, that's usually, that's like us, not small, but that's like, yeah, like it goes standard, up, that's the normal one. It goes up from there. Yeah. And like you can get smaller ones, but those are, those are the exception. Yeah. And they're, they're cheap now too. Oh it's my just gosh, crazy. They're so cheap. When we, when we were dating, this was, this TV was like on the other side of the room. She <laughs> <And laughs> would, you would watch stuff on it. I didn't care. I I'm didn't like, notice. why don't you just like, why don't you tape your phone on the other side of the room? You might as well. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I'm we glad, you've, I'm glad you've come around though. I have because I have been, I'm so used to looking at a bigger screen. Well, in college, you'd watch something on a 13 inch laptop with yeah. multiple people. Oh my gosh, well, yeah. I didn't own a laptop for a long time in college and I watched all of Breaking Bad <laughs> on my iPod touch <laughs> and I didn't notice a difference. Like I didn't really get really snobby about it until like the last couple of years. But now we're snobs. Yeah, and so we're we're trying to we're cap we're watching this tonight in as close to a theater experience as we can possibly get right now, and I'm very excited for it. I'm excited because the last time that we did kind of like a very emotional installment was probably Star Wars. Like in the same way, we watched seven movies. Well, nine, really. Okay, I didn't remember there were nine. <laughs> 
Well, we watched eight and then nine came out in theaters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Last Jedi's nine. Eight. eight. Got it. <laughs> I was so emotionally invested. And, and Avengers. That wasn't as many. But, like, I was so emotionally invested. It's so fun to get emotionally invested in a movie like this when you're just, like, spending so much time. I agree. Well, and, like, it also sucks to be emotionally invested in something that doesn't pay off. And, like, this does. You know what I mean? We're kind of taking it. We're t- kind of like having some time to breathe in between each installment a little bit, but to let it sink in. Yeah, I think that'll help. It'll, yeah. it'll bring the excitement. Well, I always liked how, because there are three books, but even inside each book, is it's broken up into two sections. So there's technically books one through six. Oh. So I even think it kind of like correlates nicely to the viewing order that we have in front of us. Gotcha. All right, let me tell you a little bit about... Oh, do you have something to say, Ryan? No, I was going to say that's that's book science. Oh. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that, actually. <laughs> you looked at me like I had something serious. <laughs> J.R.L. Tolkien wrote these books. He first wrote The Hobbit in 1937. Oh, he's going to bring it out. Which I have right here. This was my copy of The Hobbit that I read leading up to this movie. This is a paperback? A paperback. That was my very copy. I wonder if I've underlined anything in it. I was an underliner when I read it. I give you some of Totally. This. Yeah, me too. I love that. In fact, I remember my brother borrowed Jurassic Park from me, and he was making fun of all the things I underlined. So yeah, that's so he wrote The Hobbit in 1937. That is so long ago. That is... Like 85 years ago. It smells old. That book? Yeah. yeah, I bought that. Well, that book, I would have gotten it in like 01. It's like a pretty zippy, fun adventure. I don't know if either of you had read it or had it read to you. I've read The Hobbit. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely no. a faster read than Absolutely. any of the, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Very episodic, like a series of different adventures. Mm-hmm. It was a huge hit when it came out and has never gone out of print. And immediately the publishers were like, we want a sequel to this. And originally he imagined like a sequel book where Bilbo goes on another adventure to like seek more treasure. Go ahead. So this book is about Bilbo. Yes. The Hobbit is Bilbo. And I'll, t- I'll tell you about this a little bit too, because there are Hobbit movies that were made eventually by the same team that made Lord of the Rings. The less we say about them, the better. Having, having watched those also last summer. <laughs> yeah, so The Hobbit is all about Bilbo and the, like, the most important keynotes of The Hobbit are summarized really quickly in the first couple minutes of Lord of the Rings, the movie. Okay. So it takes up to speed of like, it's mostly like, this is Bilbo, I do, I remember he gets that. the ring, Gollum's introduced, Gandalf's introduced. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so he wrote Lord of the Rings and then he wrote this. Sorry, no. No, he wrote The Hobbit in 37. Oh. And then they were like, we want a sequel to this. Got it, got it, got it. He's like, maybe I'll do another story with Bilbo. But he's like, what if I take the ring and focus on the rings? At the time, the ring was just kind of this magical trinket that he finds. Oh. And by the time he was finished, it expanded into this huge, much like more adult, darker, serious. Because like The Hobbit is like... It's a children's book, and it's like a little fantasy adventure. Yeah. And The Lord of the Rings has a lot more, like, honestly, like, socioeconomic stuff. And, like, it's a huge war, and it's, like, the scope is huge. It took him, like, 17 years to publish Lord of the Rings after The Hobbit. So Lord of the Rings came out in three installments, even though he views them as one one story. But the publishers were like, it's so big. It's too long. Yeah. So it came out from 1954 to 1955. Oh, my gosh. And it had a huge impact on fantasy in general and it led to like a huge resurgence of the genre in like book reading it's like effects were really felt within like dungeons and dragons and like basically how that entire game is structured and like not only lord of the rings in general but like some very like tolkien specific artists and their illustrations very influenced the imagery of dungeons and dragons it became very popular in the 60s and 70s as well kind of became like a the youth i guess saw it as like a countercultural symbol and uh, they like the term Frodo lives was all like the, over the hippie movement. 
which is which is a statement from like the second book there's been multiple attempts to adapt the book a lot of people have like kind of swirled around some interest the most serious attempt was united artists bought the rights to make a film this is probably from the 60s or 70s uh they wanted to make a multimedia musical extravaganza holy shit starring the beatles as the four hobbits oh my gosh and wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct it, who oh directed gosh. The Shining, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Doctor Strangelove. Kubrick turned it down. He said he always felt like the books were unfilmable. The Beatles all have gone on different records, like saying like who exactly they wanted to be. Like different, at one point, John Lennon was like, I maybe I want to be Gandalf. Ringo Starr wanted to be Sam. But like, it, anyway, that's the most insane one. They did end up making some cartoons. I don't know if you remember the Rankin-Bass Hobbit cartoon. I remember that. Yeah. My brother... Watch, like, watch that, not watched. I have a memory of watching that at my friend's house with his family and just being like, this whole world is so cruel and gross and, like, I hate <laughs> everything about it. And, like, there's danger on every corner and I just, like, it gave me such anxiety to watch it. It also has, like, Kenny Loggins singing the theme song. Do you uh, remember this? I don't. I, I can only vaguely remember the... No, it's like... The greatest adventure is what lies ahead. Today and tomorrow are yet to be said. I remember I have these because my mom like bought me the VHSs for Christmas around like Lord of the Rings mania. So I watched these. There's also like a cartoon just called Lord of the Rings, which adapts the first two books. And it's like a totally different animation style, including some rotoscoping. Do you know what that is? Mm -mm. They would kind of match a person's body movement in real life and then like put it in the animation. Green screen before it was green screen basically yeah i think even like uh, motion capture is a lot of the same principles but it's weird i don't know the animation style is weird instead of making another one they adapted the last book but rankin and bass did it again so it's in the same style as the hobbit cartoon it's weird it's a weird. confusing mess but i've watched them all and like they're whatever i guess that's all you had in the 70s yeah. you know i also have this is my uh fellowship of the ring ah the paperback fellowship of the ring look how taped up that is this has seen some um Jeez. Some... I love I, I really liked reading them. This has been on a journey. Is it underline? Oh, a bookmark. Oh, what bookmark is it? Oh, it's the one ring. One ring one to ring. rule them all. That's right. <laughs> Look, I will say that's where uh these movies are triumphs of adaptation because I'm not the biggest fan of these books. They're written more like history books instead of a gripping narrative. And I'm sure I'm sure so many people would hate me to hear me say that. Well, here's the thing. I, I do remember reading them because I remember getting to like the songs and just skip. I'm not going to read this. Oh, it's kind of like, like a free like six page level up. <laughs> I guess we're going to learn about these mountains. Long and the detail was so much. This sounds like such a dig at Tolkien. I don't mean this, but because it really feels like it's it really feels like they took a history and adapted it into like a film series. Yeah. I'm sure so many people would pick a fight with me, but. Don't those smell like an old library? Yeah, they, they smell do. like school. Enter Peter Jackson, right? Mid-90s, it's right after Jurassic Park, like, blew open possibilities with what they could do with CGI. Okay. So he's a native to New Zealand. Uh, he began his career in the 80s making, like, horror comedies. Uh -huh. So he and his partner, Fran Walsh, they went to Miramax to pitch Lord of the Rings to Harvey Weinstein, mm -hmm. who we know more about now. Yeah. The original pitch was a trilogy, which would be the first movie would adapt The Hobbit, and then movies two and three would adapt Lord of the Rings. And they kind of went back and forth with Harvey Weinstein, because Weinstein kept wanting to like, making different demands. At one point, he wanted one two-hour movie. Jackson was just like, nah, I don't want to do any of this. Yeah. Ultimately, 
because Miramax was owned by Disney. Disney head at the time, Michael Eisner, was like, I don't think this will be very profitable, so let's not go ahead with this. And so Peter Jackson left and ended up going to the CEO of New Line, pitching it to them, and they're like, we're gonna let you do all three, and we're gonna give you $300 million to do it. They couldn't do The Hobbit at the time because the rights were still owned by United Artists, oh. which is actually why it took like 10 years to even make Hobbit movies. It's because it was tied up in all of these like rights issues. Yeah. When did The Hobbit come out? The uh, movie. 12 to 14. Oh. There's yeah. three of them. You might be confused because there's three Lord of the Rings books and three Lord of the Rings movies, but only one Hobbit book. <laughs> and you would be justified in being confused by that. Uh, so I confused. think you've talked to me about that before, how there are like good elements of The Hobbit that if you just put them all together, you it could, would be a better movie. You could edit that bad boy into like a nice, trim, two and a half to three hour movie. Oh, yeah. I've watched fan edits of it, and it actually, it, there's like, there's an emotional core and spine to it that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. There's other issues with it that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But anyway, <laughs> um, I did want to say, though, that Jackson was very happy that the, the Weinstein deal fell through. He called Weinstein a real bully who ruled through mafia thuggery. Shocking. Weinstein had reportedly threatened to take the project away from Jackson and give it to Quentin Tarantino. Oh, my gosh. Oh, imagine that movie. And he forbade Jackson to hire Ashley Judd, who later accused him of sexual assault. Oh. There's so many oh, crazy man. stories of like, like I feel like I'm trying to think of the other movies, but like that he would like hold these movies hostage, basically Gosh, what within a piece Miramax. Of absolute shit. I'm sure there will be so many weird biopics and things that have come out of Miramax's history. Seriously, what like a colossal piece of shit. <laughs> that was mostly all I had to say about the movies, by the way. Okay. The only other thing I wanted to show you was I found this. This is what? this is a. <laughs> We're adding a visual element of, I'm showing Ryan and Courtney right now, the map of Middle Earth, okay? Yeah. So this is the whole land that we're like gonna be spending our time with. In this movie, I'll kind of just point out, we're spending more of it up here in this corner. That's like where the Shire is. That's where the hobbits live. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll like travel down Mordor. That's where Mount Doom is. So like they wanna get to there. And over the course of the films, we'll we'll be like introduced to people from like Rohan, um, from Gondor. Oh, I remember Rohan and Gondor. Do you? Yeah. Do you remember anything about them? Or just the names? Just the names. Where's the elf place? The elf place is, um, Rivendell is right there. There's Rivendell, Rivendell. and also Lothlorien, which is right there. <laughs> I also made this. Oh. Oh, this is the journey that we're going to be watching tonight. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's incredible. You got to share this that. This is a highlighted share map. <laughs> so we start here in the Shire and this generally follows... The, the further on in the series we'll get, it'll splinter into different groups, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what we'll watch tonight is they start in the Shire, go to Bree, Weathertop, and end in Rivendell. And that's where the movie will end. And kind okay. of it's, it resets the stage for the second part of Fellowship, which is the Fellowship now as a team going down this way. And I kind of end up there. But also, I thought it might be nice to like visualize square footage. Like, how far are we from our goal? We've talked about this before, but I'll share this now. When I first saw the Fellowship in theaters, I saw it a couple times. And one of the times was with my mom and my sister. And after the movie got over, my mom turned to us and said, so they never get rid of the ring? Because <laughs> she didn't realize there were two more movies. Ah. And I guess, you know, if you mom. sat down for three hours, you'd be like yes, getting to yeah. the end of this. Mom, come on, mom. you're embarrassing me. <laughs> anyway, just to kind of like help you visualize. Yeah, they will head east. They'll head east and then they'll head, the ring goes south, which is the name of one of the tracks from the soundtrack. 
the, the Ringo, Ringo South. South. And I used to envision it in my head as I walked to school. Yeah, in like the, you know when it's like blue outside, that's how early it is, just like blue early. Yeah, blue dawn. Yeah, and uh, I my junior high was like across the street, essentially. I like walked through this backyard, and I would like think of that tune. And I would just think of little like 12, 13-year-old Jason, you know, with, with my fleece vest just going to school and being like, it's like, I'm on a journey. To school. I did stuff like that. Oh, I know. You've, you've shared. <laughs> you've shared. The year was 2001. Do you guys know that we're closer to 2040 than we are to 2001? Don't say that. It's wild. Well, yeah, it's blowing my mind that this is going to be 20 years this year. I know. Sick. George Bush was president. He hadn't even been president for one year. Top song of the weekend. Wow. Do we have any guesses? Um, If you want to go and take a ride with me. My boo. My boo? No matter <laughs> Is that your guess? Yeah. That's my guess, okay. yeah. Um, I actually don't really know how this goes, but it is Family Affair by Mary J. Oh, Blige. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the, the following week was How You Remind Me by Nickelback, oh. which that one, everyone knows. <laughs> it. Which, can I say it's weird? Because uh, this was prior to him doing Hero for Spider-Man six months before. And I always, like, in my mind, Hero was the one that, like, I thought Nick Chad Kroger got big. <laughs> All right. Some other top bands of the year. And this is from the Now 8 album that came out around that time. Okay. Destiny's Child, mm. NSYNC, yeah. Britney, huh. Sum 41, Backstreet Boys, Lifehouse. Lifehouse. I was a Sum 41 boy. Oh, me too. It was, man. Yeah. What does Sum 41 sing? Fat Lip, Heart Attack. Those are like the oh, big ones from that year. Uh, you do. Sum 41 also before. is like, I'm in too deep and I'm trying to keep. All right, some other. Skater songs. Oh yeah, okay. uh, yeah. This was like this was like the birth of this is Ryan's black punk, hair face punk rock genre, right? Like this is oh, what yeah. like, like two thousand one grows into it. Mm-hmm. All right, some other two thousand one stuff. Wikipedia goes online for the first time. Whoa, goes online. <laughs> <laughs> they hack into the net. Yeah. Apple releases the iPod this year. Tom and Nicole split up. Britney and Justin wore the denim outfit. Yep. To the American Music totally. Awards. Never forget that. Totally. Friends is the top rated show. 24 and Lisa McGuire debut this year. Oh, both excellent. Yeah. <laughs> RIP to the Lisa McGuire revival. Oh, really such a bummer. Talk about it. Some other big movie hits this year were, like you said, the first Harry Potter, mm-hmm. Shrek, and mm. Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is a great movie. I don't care what anyone says. When's the last time you watched it? Years ago. Okay. Microsoft released the Xbox. That's Microsoft? Yeah. Microsoft. Nintendo was like my console. Yeah. I know people kind of like, they like have a console, I feel like. Really? What? Where, where were you? Ryan? We were we were a, a Nintendo PlayStation house, never really an Xbox. Yeah. Oh, my cousin was a PlayStation himself. Like, he uh, he we... was physically a PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin, it's very sad. He was a PlayStation. <laughs> it's kind of a sensitive subject. Um, when people would play Halo, is that Xbox? Yeah. Yeah, Halo is. Well, Call of Duty. Okay, that's yeah. the next I tried to get into Halo, but I like rejected it the first time playing it because uh, the controls were opposite of GoldenEye. I was that kid that was like, on the first time something was hard, I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> I'm never learning this. Nope. I was never, yeah, a Halo. I tried. I remember kids in middle school would like get together at parties, and the boys would play Halo, <laughs> and the girls would just watch <laughs> But yes, there were Halo parties. <laughs> really? I, I never.
never went to any because nobody invited me. Oh, you were always like, I wish I could, I wish I could go to any little party. And the girls just watched. <laughs> I would have gone. All right, some other 2001 stuff really quick. TRL. Aaron Carter beat Shaq. Told us about it. A uh, new house cost $136,000. Oh. And my favorite one. Uh, Time's person of the year was Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> that has aged so well. <laughs> to be fair, that year he was person of the year. America's mayor. <laughs> wow. <That is> yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I, I saved that for the end. How the mighty have fallen 20 years later. Okay. Okay, we're going to go get our watch on. Here we go. Watch. Still this is hell. All right, welcome back. We're here. First off, I wanted to ask, what did everyone think about the movie? I loved it. I it's 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 always a good time. I don't know um, a time that I've watched it and I haven't enjoyed it the whole time. Uh-huh. Like you, it starts, and as soon as you hear the music, you're like, okay, I'm in. I'm ready. Let's go. That's Titanic. <laughs> Although when it plays that little like it's like a certain type of flute, it definitely it sounds, sounds like, like Titanic, right? <laughs> yeah. Different composers though. Different. Oh, who was the composer? The composer is Howard Shore. Okay, what else did he do? You know, he this was I feel like he hadn't really done much but maybe like some thrillers. I don't really know. I will this music is the best music I've ever heard it's, in my life. It's great. It's my favorite soundtrack and I can't believe it's real. <laughs> I've also heard you listen to it so many times, like driving, you'll put it on. It's inc- like I can't, I don't understand it. I was reading that he created eighty-five to one hundred lay motifs. Do you see that word? Uh, mo- like motif, lay motif, a light motif, a uh, light motif. I don't know. Our music heads out there will correct us. I'm not a choir boy, so. Uh... <laughs> Which is more than any other film series ever. So it's like it's the most in a recorded catalog in history. Just for our friends home listening. What is that? A tune, I guess. So like the two main ones, my two favorite ones from this movie would be like the Shire or Hobbit tune, which is like, yeah. okay. and mm-hmm. then the really Fellowship, flitty. yeah, which is. Okay, see, that's another one that I get mixed up with the Avengers theme. Really? Yeah. I guess they're both kind of triumphant sounding. Yeah. Um, anyway, I knew what that was. I just our listeners needed. To. No, yeah, that's good. That's actually really helpful. That's thoughtful <laughs> yeah. of you. Yeah. And obviously, you watch when if you've seen these movies as much as we probably have. I mean, you pick up on them. They're, they're sprinkled perfectly throughout, and there's little like t- variations on them. Like if it's triumphant or sad or like like I don't understand. They originally wanted James Horner, who did Titanic. Yeah. I can't remember why they he didn't, they didn't end up going with him, but I can't imagine. I'm sure it, ever, it would have been just as fine if another composer had handled it, but I have never heard anything that are as good as this. Yeah, it, it's great. I mean, I want to get more into music scores, actually. I feel like there's a You're lot very of... very into music scores. I'm into like a very specific, like narrow genre, I feel like, and I don't have like a really broad grasp of film scores okay. in general but i really know like john williams because like everyone knows, knows him sure and hans maybe zimmer. like hans zimmer danny elfman like danny elfman. big ones right yeah and i really want to get more like niche ones i feel like that'd be really fun trent reznor's like a big deal right now yeah he is with uh with scores yeah who's that what did he do well, he was like originally like the front man for nine inch nails yeah and then Whoa. he got pulled tapped to do the social network what a transition <laughs> yeah and he just did soul as well yeah oh. part of soul he like mm-hmm. also did it with um the guy from colbert 
anyway, yeah, like he does a lot. Now he's like an Oscar, at least nominated, I think, mm-hmm. winning a composer. Which is wild. It is. Wow. But he makes great stuff too. Yeah. Something else I'm going to say since we're, since we're music heads now is <laughs> something cool is the music tells you how to feel at a few specific points. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's fun because something scary might be happening, but then you hear the Hobbit theme and you go, oh. We're okay now. Yeah, like that's I can, what, that's I can relax. I'm sure, I'm sure it's baked in with nostalgia. But like some of those cues when they hit, the first time it like really hit me was when we when we watched the first half and they're going through the Shire and it's playing the Hobbit theme and it's just swelling as they're like going through the hills and all the kids are running around. They do such a good job of showing the Shire as like setting the stakes of what like what is at stake in this story and it's this like the most homegrown feeling you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's almost ridiculous how much they like lean into like this is everything life should be which is like gardening and enjoying life and having fun yeah it really does feel like this is home and this is like what we're fighting for in these stories and just like the line when frodo's like gandalf i'm glad you're back so my dear boy That, for some reason, when we were watching this, because it, it was like, I haven't seen this in so long. Yeah. It was like, they're welcoming me back to the story. And I just, it they really it overwhelmed me. Did you cry then? I did, yeah. <laughs> I love these movies so much. How much did you uh, remember? Like, how much surprised you going into the movie? So I actually started remembering a lot. I remembered Boromir, what happens to him. The part that's like solidified in my brain forever is the part where he's, Gandalf dies. Uh-huh. Or where he falls off the thing. That is like the part I remember the most. I was trying to do this, but I can't decipher which parts are in the actual movie and which parts are in the extended. I like I could does that make sense? Like I couldn't yeah. remember if I I've lost so much of it that it was all kind of new. Well, well oh, oh, oh sorry, Ryan. Oh, no, you're guys. good. Well well I was just gonna say I've seen it I've seen it a lot and there's still times I'm not sure which one is in the theatrical and which one is in the extended. So Okay. Yeah. I will say I know exactly which scenes <laughs> are added. See, let, let me let me say, I don't remember the part with the trolls. I mean like at the very the beginning of that scene where they w- kind of walk in. No, that's that's all in the oh, original man. cut. See, I don't remember that. The extended edition, it doesn't really add anything new or even crucial. It's just like a few key things. For instance, the part where Boromir is like, hey, let's go to Gondor. Minas Tirith is a safer road. You know that. From there we can regroup. Strike out for Mordor from a place of strength. There is no strength in Gondor that can avail us. You were quick enough to trust the elves. And you have so little faith in your own people. That is an extended scene that they put in. Okay. They're just little character moments that like give a little more depth to them and a little more complexity, but nothing like grand or sweeping. So, so the I would say giant that... squid was in the original. Yes, it was. Yeah, okay, don't correct, correct, that whatsoever. Well, I mean, when's the last time you you watched these? Uh, like maybe like two years ago. Yeah, but like how how actively did you watch? That I watched it pretty act like actively. Oh, I can't defend you. <laughs> I know. I I don't know why. I just I do this with a lot of movies. Like I just forget what happens. I mean, it, there is a lot of content. Yeah, there's so well, much. And I don't know how much of like how much I have this locked in is because I I can't tell you how many times I've seen these movies. 
So it's also like I have these locked in. I'm. I think I know every line in this movie. I was like realizing that. Oh my gosh. That even like the the even the diction, like the way they pronounce it, it's just locked in there. Mm-hmm. In a place that like when my mind is just frying in my old age, I'll just still have those to rely on. <laughs> those are your last words to me. Yeah. <laughs> Fly you fools. <laughs> they pronounce things in the way that like people who have studied abroad or been on missions <laughs> to like South America talk. Moldor. Boromir. Like they just <laughs> the horn of Gondor. Especially anything in Elven. Oh. It's full full. Aragorn and Gandalf are actually the worst at like really <laughs> the worst they're leaning into the, like those pronunciations so bad. Totally. That's another thing with like being so familiar with the like how people just like the way they de- deliver their lines. Ian McKellen makes some weird choices sometimes with the way that he talks. I think he's really good to be like to be clear, but like it really just I don't know. It's fun revisiting it because especially not having seen it in so long, it really is like reassessing it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I haven't seen it in a while and I was surprised at how much was kind of like a new experience. Diction and cadence is interesting because I was thinking about this as we were watching it. Yeah. Because Sean Bean, everything he says is almost in like scripture. Like everything he says is 100% serious. Like there's nothing la- like funny about it. Uh-huh. It's so intense. <laughs> One does not simply walk into Mordor. Its black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There is evil there that does not sleep. This is this actually gets to like something that I think is interesting about these movies in general. And like I feel like this is like the secret sauce of why these movies work so well is the like the care and attention that everyone put into making these movies. I was thinking about this, like we've since had a 20-year trend of very successful comic book movies and different adaptations of, like, source material where they finally started to, like, really respect the source material and deliver adaptations that, like, true fans would want, right? Yeah. And I I wonder if this was kind of, like, the first piece of that because they are not embarrassed of the source material at all to the point where, like, you are referencing, like, people, places, events that casual people would have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And they're kind of speaking just in old English for most of it. Yeah. Like, st- stuff that would make an executive producer just be like, there's no way we're adapting this like this. It- it's crazy that, like, they- they're just, they're so confident that that in what they're adapting and in like the source material yeah and it works so well and i think it's just built it's baked into every detail of the movie and like i'll go through some of like the behind the scenes stuff but like they just love the source material and everyone cares so much about it and that's why i think it like is a notch above so many other things that are kind of similar to it in so many ways yeah is it's just like, man, they put so much effort into things that you don't even notice. I was thinking this while we were watching it. Do you think they all read the book? I'm sure they did. Honestly, the scripts aren't that too different off from the book. They're, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with the way the books roll, Ryan, or remember them very well, but they're not... They're not too different. It's a pretty impressive. I mean, you always got to take some liberties, right? Adapting from book to film. But even the things they take liberty with, I'm sure there are some Tolkien fans that are like are pretty pissed about it. But like, <laughs> for instance, in the books, Aragorn is not, he has no self-doubt. He's always like, yeah, at some point I will reclaim the throne of Gondor. Oh. I think you would miss something if, I, you, he doesn't really have an arc otherwise, especially in this film. Yeah, if he was confident. Yeah, I like him having like that self-doubt and then, having the, that kind of dynamic with Boromir the whole time and then finally at the end reaching that point in his arc where he's like I accept who I am and I make this like promise to you on your deathbed like mm-hmm. I'm going to I do not know what strength is in my blood 
But I swear to you, I will not let the White City fall. Our people fail. He is Simba. He is. <laughs> I start crying. <laughs> first time tonight <laughs> Except instead of hakuna matata he was traveling across the wilderness <laughs> I would also, he really was i was also trying to figure out how much time had passed in this one movie it's hard to tell so this is another thing like the books more time passes between events um and this it kind of condenses things from the time they leave the shire roughly like a couple months to a year i think okay no i think the whole i think the whole journey takes a year so this has probably been a couple months. Like yeah. four months. Because they spend some time in Rivendell, in, in the book. They like, they hang out and they they wait around in Bree for like a week, I think. They, they just condense, they kind of like shorten things. And like, mm-hmm. some of the things they excise are pretty smart. Like, they, they completely leave out Tom Bombadil. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, no point. There's a point where the four hobbits like meet up with this big like kind of like he's not like he's not like quite like Santa but he's just like kind of like, like a, a jolly old man who's like man. Yeah, yeah who's like an immortal and anyway Tom Pompadour Tom <laughs> like this I just anyway even as a twelve year old reading that I was like this seems stupid <laughs> a couple of things that made me laugh going back to the beginning when the hobbits get to the the inn uh-huh. um, they're called a couple different things oh, I, oh okay. <laughs> Good evening, little masters. What can I do for you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but like in all, like it's like being respectful. It's like good evening, little sir. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like they're patrons. Yes. Yeah. He's, he, you know, he's on that hustle. He's like, we've got some nice hobbit-sized rooms available. Yes. <laughs> the most respectful. Not an ounce of irony. Uh, they clearly got like hobbits going through there a lot because on the yeah. door into the city there's, they have like the two like there's a hobbit holes. door yeah oh man i don't know why they call me so i just while we're on the topic of the hobbits can i say a few things <laughs> go, go why ahead. can't hobbits wear shoes is that something that i'm not privy to they don't need to but why wouldn't you is what i can't figure out <laughs> This is like a different time when you're just like woodsy. You know what I mean? I don't. So they're in the books. They're described as having like leather feet. Basically, they don't need shoes because they. they it's like they're wearing shoes at all times. That is crazy. It's their culture. You know, <laughs> they have like they have special ears too. They have like elf what their, ears. Yeah, what they're are just their like ears pointing. do? Nothing. They're just oh. that's just like what a hobbit looks like. I just couldn't get over that. I every time I watch this, I'm like, why aren't they wearing? Sh-? I just imagine that must be so painful. No, it's but not. It's not. It, yeah, it's they not. have like it's like tough. Yeah, they're clumsy and just it's so like entertaining to just watch what like <laughs> I mean, some are and dumber Pippin. than yeah, Pippin's blue. But I mean, like that's kind of the yeah, that's like the thematic point of them is like don't get me wrong, I people. love them and I respect them. It sounds like you're but I just they're just taking them it's out. It's like such an it's such a funny like part of the story that they're just these tiny and like Boromir's like holding two of them. As <laughs> oh, he like runs. running around. Yeah. <laughs> They just can't do anything. They're just like... Well, and like, I can't remember. I don't feel like there was really any utilitarian purpose to bring Merry and Pippin in the books. But doesn't it kind of feel like... Do you remember... Like, there were sometimes in Star Wars where you're like, why would you bring R2 and C-3PO on this, like, on this, like, mission? Like, what are they doing but then slowing you down? They can't move. Yeah. They're like a trash can. They're not going to move around this forest. Like, I always think that I'm like, why, why would they actually let Merry and Pippin on this journey? 
you forget how small they are until you they like force your perspective to see them against someone yeah. tall or from a distance. And you're that like, was a Whoa. lot of fun. Let me show you some stuff too, because that, like I said, the most impressive thing is like the all the effort in the making of right of this movie. They hired Alan Lee and John Howe, who were people who did a lot of the artwork. And even behind you is I have the theatrical poster for the movie. Is that's basically it's the picture of the Argonath, the two huge statues. Courtney, aren't you like have like a phobia of like large things? <laughs> yeah, the I was gonna say that actually. Yeah, like Jason large... and the Argonauts. Have you ever seen that? Uh-uh. I, I watched it in sixth grade in school, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's just those things. Like, like when giant... it shows their toes and they're so big. Yeah, it's just like what if a giant stone statue was coming at you <laughs> or like rising out of the water? It would be so scary. Interesting. But um, I was just gonna show you some of these. You pull up some visuals. Pull some visuals. So, like, they hired these people who had been in, like, Tolkien world, like, doing illustrations for different, like, re-releases throughout the decade. So, they were, like, all these visuals are, like, tied to these books already. So, we want these, like, adaptations to, like, feel hallowed, like, respectful of the source. So, like, I'm showing, like, like artwork they've done of Rivendell mm-hmm. or, like, the water horses attacking the Nazgul. Just to kind of give you a perspective of how closely, like, the film realized or brought to life what people had in their minds i love this one too um this is them walking through the doors into moria that part made me feel something you know like you get really scared when oh well i would say when the when the orcs start breaking in and you're just like i could feel it in my heart just like your heart starts beating well i don't think there really hasn't been a battle yet and that's like hour after two hours yeah i mean i guess they have some like run-ins with the nazgul yeah Yeah. watching if you're watching it all the way through yeah uh they just kind of just kind of like set them on fire mess them up yeah (laughs) okay so they're coming back yeah they're not dead they can't die they can't live they can't die when frodo puts on the ring to disappear from boromir can they see that? Like the Nazgul? Yeah. It's it's less that the Nazgul can see it, and it's more that Sauron. Whenever the power is like used Sauron is like clued into exactly where it is okay and so that's why the Nazgul were like like when it when it falls on his finger in the inn uh the Nazgul immediately know where to where to go it's kind of implied that the Urukai kind of can like find them through that same thing yeah because he's like talking to Saruman who's sort of like controlling the Urukai remember they have those like balls yeah that those were sort of like those are like cell phones basically. That's why Gandalf's like, hey, like don't use that. You don't know who's on the other side of that. It's chat roulette. It, basically, ask cha cha. What is that called? Text cha cha. Text cha cha. And so that's like what he's been using to like talk to Sauron. Okay. So they're they're communicating through different pa- palantirs. That's what they're called. Don't you just love that the two villains are Sauron and Saruman? <laughs> I know. I don't I... really. Why? I have no idea. They, it's not like it's it's not like they were independently created apart from each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no reason that, I, that I'm was aware. Just like this is a good idea. Let's Sar- make their names almost the same. Saruman. <laughs> Jackson wanted realistic designs, so it felt like a historical epic and less like a fantasy, like Labyrinth. That was something that I always, especially with this first one, that strikes me the most is like it just feels it feels like existing. And that's something I think that was like a brilliant, I moved to like film it in New Zealand mm-hmm. um, because if New Zealand just feels like a younger earth, mm-hmm. everything feels so tactile and like it exists. It gets kind of fantastical in maybe like two and three and especially the Hobbit movies, but like the physics of what they're doing is grounded. If someone gets thrown across the room, they like knocked out. 
And even with those like little, oh, like the references that you'd be like, or you have to be like a super fan to know what all these things are. I think it works even if you don't know them because it makes it feel lived in because that's how people are. They just re- reference things. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you some stuff about the production. Okay. It overwhelms me to think of like all the effort that they put into these movies. Oh, just thinking about the logistics hurts my brain. <laughs> like just thinking about trying to skip. So they're filming all three at the same time. They, yeah. They right? film the three simultaneously. Sorry. I didn't know if we were going to get into what? this later, but yeah. Um, so just like, I can't even fathom how you schedule shooting for that. They filmed from late 1999 to late 2000. So they spent a year in New Zealand. Uh-huh. And then between the release of each movie, they would go back and like do pickup shooting, which is like do reshoots and like pick up stuff that they missed. So they were constantly filming for like a couple years, but there was like a 12 month chunk where they were all in New Zealand filming all of it at the same time wow peter jackson's mind just even so like even on the rewatch i was able to appreciate the little edits of like the different ways that they would mask the height sizes Mm -hmm. is like they had a couple different techniques okay one like a really simple one they would just be kneeling down in the same shot so like elijah would be kneeling down in front of vigo mortensen yeah or there was body doubles so they had little people that they hired with Mm -hmm. wigs on and a lot of like the large shots of them from behind is that sometimes it was just like cgi them like shrunk down next to each other and those were some of the the seams are kind of you can kind of tell now just because it's 20 years old the effects Mm -hmm. are kind of wearing a little bit but it's it's still but it's still it's incredible for being 20 years old the most impressive is like when gandalf shows up at the shire they filmed ian mckellen in a in a smaller set and he's acting to no one (laughs) And then Ian Holm, who plays Bilbo, is filmed in a larger set, running around, and they have to coordinate where the other person isn't. Oh my gosh. And the craziest bit that I don't know how they do it is when Gandalf first shows up, he takes off his hat, and his, he hands his hat and staff to Bilbo, and there's a trade-off somehow. I don't know how it happens. Ian McCallan isn't holding those props, yeah, but gives them to Ian Holm, who's not in the same shot with him. And who is now holding physical things and sets them down. Oh and that's what I'm like. Well, it's, I'm like the the attention to detail that like, why why would you need to why go, have that Why in? go through that effort? Yeah. You, well, when you could just, but it, it like makes it just feel so much more lived in. Or like some, the really sophisticated ones are like the forced perspective shots where like when, oh, we were, oh, we were talking about this when when Gandalf first shows up in the Shire and Frodo's sitting next to him in the cart. Elijah Wood is actually sitting like three feet behind Ian McKellen. Yeah. But it's like set at a certain way. And I even read that they kind of developed this new technique where you'd have like a rolling. It was like a, I can't, I don't really understand how this worked, but it was like a pulley system where like if the camera moved, because anytime a camera moves, that like distorts the perspective, right? So if the camera moved, they would like also be shifting so that the camera could be moving, but they could maintain perspective weird another crazy one is when gandalf shows up back in the shire to like tell frodo like hey this is the ring of power do you remember that Mm -hmm. they're sitting at the table and they're sitting across from each other talking (laughs) elijah wood is sitting like three feet behind ian mckellen so they're not looking at each other they have a dot on the wall that they're looking at so their eyelines meet but they are not sitting by each other at all and i noticed they did a little these clever little cuts because like frodo has like he has like some tea and Gandalf lifts up the top of his like thing and Frodo goes to pour it and then it cuts to Ian McKellen because they're not actually he's not standing by the cup. He's yeah. three feet behind the cup. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's why I'm saying, like, after having seen They Shall Not Grow Old, doesn't it make total sense? Oh yeah. If you do you know what that is, Ryan? No. It's Peter Jackson made this documentary 
about World War One soldiers, like British soldiers, and he found all this footage, but he like colorized it and went through this painstakingly monotonous process of colorizing it and adding sound to it. So it's like it came alive. And it, it was like you're seeing footage from today, but from 100 years ago. Wow. It's- Down to... He got people to analyze what kind of accent the person on the screen, like in the film, would have, would have had. He and then, hired people from the same t- towns. Yeah, it's crazy. He even I remember one story about how they this they had a footage of this guy giving this speech, and they were like, "I wonder what he's saying. We don't know." And then he poured over pages of just stuff, and he found a journal entry with the speech written down, and was able to match it. It's so good. Doesn't you should it, watch it. Doesn't it make sense though? Like yeah. that this guy is like. He's just obsessed and almost like undeterred by things yeah. that would like drive me crazy and like the anxiety of like. <laughs> He'd be like, I give up. Like, I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, like this. Okay. They made 48,000 items for this movie. A small group of crew spent three years linking plastic chainmail, eventually wearing away their thumbprints. Peter Jackson, one of the commentaries, was joking. He's like, well, now they can enjoy their life in crime. <laughs> but that, that's what's amazing about these movies. And not to dig at The Hobbit, but kind of sucks about The Hobbit. Most things you're seeing are makeup, prosthetics, yeah. costumes, practical effects. All the Urukai are people in costumes. Yeah. So that sweeping shot when all the Urukai are trying to like converge on Boromir and there's like probably 50 of them. Those are all just people in costumes. It's incredible the amount of effort that they didn't have to do. But they did because they loved the project. It's like terrifying that part because they are all real. Oh, they're, yeah, yeah. If they're, if even they're if just it's like digital, a, if it's or... just like a gross design, that's that can be terrifying. But like something that like looks like it's real and gonna grab you. The people who designed the armor for like the orcs, they had different or, they had different armor for like depending on if the orcs are from Moria or like Mordor, <laughs> oh down to gosh. the point where they got so obsessive that. They like imagined different families or clans and they developed armor for specific orcs to have depending on their clan. It's filmmaking at its best. It's like this art form like at its best, I think. Yeah. That's why I think they're just fantastic. But oh man. John Reese Davies, who plays Gimli, spent four and a half hours uh, to apply his prosthetics That's every day. Crazy. The four hobbits all had to wake up at 5 a.m. and also stand for an hour and a half uh, while their feet were applied. Sean Astin kept track of how many days that they had to apply the feet, but then none of the actual shots they filmed that day had the feet in them, and he reckons it's over 50 days. Oh my gosh. Sean Astin came to my work via Cameo last year. Did I tell you about this? No. I remember you telling me about that. Um, And he talked about the feet. I think he was talking about like hard things, like 2020 was hard and we were talking, he was like giving a kind of a sub pep talk about hard things. Uh And one of the things he brought up, he was like, when I was filming Lord of the Rings, we had to wear these feet that were so uncomfortable. (laughs) So that was still with him 20 years later. Just (laughs) running in those. Can you imagine the first time you put those on and they're like, okay, see how you can run. (laughs) No wonder they're slow. Did Peter Jackson do anything big before this? Not really. Well, that's kind of the case for everyone, almost. Most of the the cast, I didn't really know them before. No, because they were filming it all simultaneously, so they basically cast everyone. Right. And there were only a handful of people that were like their first picks. Like, Kate Blanchett and Ian Holm were their first picks for Galadriel and Bilbo. But they had... It was interesting reading like how they cast different people and some people went into audition for other characters and that's how they found them. We were kind of introduced in like piecemeal. Like the first half of the movie you're really spent with the four hobbits and mm-hmm. then you're slowly introduced to like you have Gandalf and Aragorn as like kind of recurring characters and like the second half is like the fellowship proper. Legolas walks in with that Just hair. hops off that horse just like swoops around. Yeah. I love him. Did you have a thing for Orlando Bloom? 
Oh, huge. My sister had posters all over her room. Yeah, huge, humongous. Yeah. Was it, wasn't it you were either you were either Orlando Bloom or you were Aragorn? Yeah, then. which I knew a few Aragorns. I had this one friend <laughs> who was like, Frodo is so hot. Oh, and then there were some weird <laughs> yeah. girls who yes. were into Frodo. Well, here's the thing, though. His eyes are something else. So I get it. I get it. His eye- Come on. Stop. Stop. Okay. He is like weird girl. <laughs> he has like big watery blue eyes. That you just you're they're amazing to look at. Uh, I don't know. Get out of here. Well, and also something else that I noticed this time: everyone while they're in Rivendell is hot. <laughs> like everyone has cheekbones here. <laughs> but then, like all the characters, the lighting in Rivendell. Well, okay. Compliments everybody. I, like, Aragorn looks better than he's ever looked. Even Frodo, Sam, and the other hobbits look very good. I was going to ask you, do you think the elves that they picked for the movie are hot? Yeah. Liv Tyler, get out of here. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jason doesn't have a thing for Liv Tyler. It's confusing. I, I'm not that impressed with Liv she Tyler. She is so pretty. I don't even think she's that pretty. Also, have I don't think I've ever been impressed with her in a movie. That's have you a seen hot the take. Strangers? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen The Incredible Hulk. She's in The Leftovers for a little bit. Armageddon. Oh, the Leftovers. I haven't seen Armageddon. She's great in Armageddon. Oh, Armageddon is fantastic. I really I love look, that I want, movie. I, it's on the list. But look, I'm just a little unimpressed. I can just think of... Clearly, the, the filmmakers had a different idea of like what is like striking beauty mm-hmm. than than I do. It's fine. I think Kate Blanchett is very striking. Mm-hmm. But, he, but I think for the most part, the elves, I don't know. It's just not well, my Well, the elves style. are just like, they're clean. <laughs> it is, yeah. Every time they meet the elves, I was thinking this too, they'll just be dirty as hell. <laughs> and then they'll go to somewhere with elves and they're like, let <laughs> they us give a you shower? a bath. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all... uh, you can come in here for a minute. <laughs> they, all, they got all cleaned they up and looking fresh. Every, every time, time they see elves. Did you kind of like how, I kind of liked seeing the two different elf cities basically because it's like rivendell seems like a good hang right well, rivendell yeah. rivendell La feels Florian. like new money la <laughs> florian feels like old money yeah wait something <laughs> something look i was i had warmer feelings leaving la florian but like while you're there you're like what is going on it's here? cold it's eerie yes However, the beds look great like the the living quarters situation it's just tree bark no, uh, Gimli's no, like okay, under like a, he's like oh, on yeah. a pillow mattress. That's true. No, <laughs> he's yeah. snoring. He's sleeping very well. That's true. Maybe she's just been working through some stuff because then she passes her test of not being tempted by the ring. So maybe she's like, it's fine when they're leaving. And actually, that was actually weirdly a part where I cried. When they're when, leaving? When the gifts, when she, and I've seen this a million times, but when she gives Frodo the gift and she's like, Farewell, Frodo Baggins. I give you the light of Erendil, our most beloved star. May it be a light for you in dark places when all other lights go out. Yeah. Something about that, like the music, the like the beautiful imagery, something about all the elements together, like really like yeah. touched me. But man, she is just creepy 
That part creeped me out when I was younger. Also, when she's just like, and here's a rope for you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's important. It is kind of important. But it is funny how he's like, did you run out of those daggers? <laughs> yeah. I really am just impressed that the movie just committed to like, we're adapting what the what it says in the book. Like when she has her flip out, I always wonder, like, I know what's going on, but it is weird, right? And I always wonder how many people are watching this movie just because they're like, yeah, I heard this is a really famous movies. And then they're like, the hell is this? Like, what is this shit? I feel like that's probably a point where if you were not 100% on board, you'd be like, what am I watching? I still have questions. So is that she was like being tested? Yes, because he was like, if you want the ring, you can take it. Also, why did he do that? Because he's kind of entranced by her. Oh, and I I guess you're, that's supposed to be like what she would look like. Like if she took the ring and the power for herself, what you saw from her is like what she would transform into. Okay. I passed my test. And, and then what? She's uh, higher? Well, now like this will kind of get into, there's something called the Grey Havens, which is this harbor where the elves leave. And they talk about this, like the elves, yes, the elves are leaving Middle that. Earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what she says. I passed the test. I will diminish and go into the West and remain Galadriel. Also meaning she was going to go off into the West and sail away. With those other elves. And remain like herself. And like Elrond says it too to Gandalf earlier I'm in so the movie. I'm so sorry. Who is Elrond? Elrond is, is Arwen's dad. Yeah. He's like, hey, Gandalf, who are you going to look to to like lead the world? He's like, the elves are leaving. We're all leaving. We're going to be gone soon. Like, is it going to be men? Like, men suck. It is in men that we must place our hope. Men. Men are weak. And that's part of Arwen and Aragorn's thing is Arwen's like, I want to stay here and like be with you. And he's like, you should go and leave and be with your people. That's like what their conflict is. Because he's like, don't stay with me. You'll die or whatever or something. You know what I mean? Because if she doesn't leave, she becomes mortal. Maybe. Well, maybe. There's right? kind of... Or she just ages. She ages. I think so. Except, I don't know. There's a part in the two towers that kind of just says like, maybe she'll just stay and he'll grow. Oh, or is it the opposite? Yeah. 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 All bad things, basically. Lose, lose situation. Arilla fish and a bird falling in love kind of a situation. (laughs) (laughs) But that scene, that scene is actually. (laughs) 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 One of my favorite uh, extended sequences is when it's just Frodo and Sam at the beginning of the journey. They're like, Oh, it's the wood elves. And mm-hmm. they're seeing the elves. Something about that is so like hauntingly pretty to me. It's like dusk. It's like that weird shade of blue. And like the wind is sort of, it feels like a summer breeze. It's like yeah. kind of blowing. Something about every part of that sequence. And like the music is just kind of a little unsettling, but still pretty. They're going to the harbor beyond the White Towers. Grey Haven. They're leaving Middle Earth. Never to return. I don't know why. It makes me sad. Well, and it's fun because you really haven't seen anything too fantastical yet. And then these elves just come vibing through the woods. Well, and Sam is so psyched. Like every time he's like, yeah. we're going to see the elves. He's like, we're going to Rivendell. We're, that's where the elves are. Because you would, you would if you like to spent your whole life in essentially like what the Corinne of the Middle Earth. And then you're like, I'm going to go see elves. You would be like, this is gonna, this is insane. I'm going on an adventure. I, that kind of reminds me too that like, because Bilbo's story is supposed to be kind of like fun, rollicking a little bit, right? Like there's it, there's danger, like the the tale that he went on in The Hobbit. 
Yeah. There is something like kind of sobering. And I just think about this, how like, you know how you just have like expectations and they just never go the way you want them to. But like, I like when Frodo is talking to Bilbo and Rivendell and he's like, he's like, I always wanted to be with you on one of your adventures. He's like, my adventure turned out quite different. His adventure was low stakes. Yeah. It's just like, he's going to get some treasure and maybe help out some people. Frodo's is like, we're all going to die. I don't know. Like I really, (laughs) there's like a somberness to it that I don't know. I I really like, I just really like that element of it too. How old is Gandalf? In story? Yeah. Hundreds of years. (laughs) did you think of Like Ian McKellen's age? (laughs) Like in 2021? You're so weird. Like in story, like it was going to (laughs) be. I actually don't know exactly how old he is, but I know he's like an immortal sent to earth. Oh. In fact. He's not a wizard. He is, but the okay. wizards are like immortals that were sent to Earth to kind of like protect Saruman Earth. is a wizard. He's also well. a wizard who like turned though. That's why I was reading someone on Reddit when I was just like looking up stuff for this movie. Kind of put it in perspective when Gandalf falls to the hobbits, that's like your grandfather dying. But to like Aragorn and Legolas, it's kind of like uh, like a deity. Like that's how like shaken they are by what just happened. How old are the hobbits? I mean, Bilbo was Bilbo's... 111. Yeah, but that's, do you remember how like the ring makes him younger? Oh, that's why he looks older. Yeah, because the ring's gone. He's like, wow, oh, yeah, it just all caught up to me. Yeah, got it. <laughs> that's why Gandalf, when he like shows up, he's like, I'm hundred and eleven years old. Who would believe it? <laughs> you have aged death. Huh. Huh. <laughs> that's, that's like the first clue, like, something is up. Yeah. And I wonder if it's this ring. I love how the ring is an active character in the movie. All throughout the prologue, it's almost like it loosens and contracts so like it leaves Isildur's hand. And the ring of power has a will of its own. It betrayed Isildur to his death. It abandoned Gollum. Those were some of the creepiest elements to me as a kid watching this was like the idea that something doesn't sleep and it's always coming after you. So like there's a few key lines that always just stuck with me that I remembered watching this, which is like when Aragorn's talking about the Nazgul and he's like, they will never stop hunting you. Mm-hmm. Or when Gandalf's like, Always remember, Frodo, the ring is trying to get back to its master. It wants to be found. Yeah. And every time it tempts someone, you can hear it saying their name. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I got some other some other cool yeah, like ring tidbits. It. When Bilbo is going to leave and Gandalf's like, the ring is still in your pocket. And he like slowly drops it. They used a ring that was like a magnet. They had like a magnet so that when the ring hits the ground, it just slams down. Did you catch that? Yeah. Which, which is unsettling. Yeah. Because it doesn't like bounce. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. It's more like a... When he... Uh, when Frodo like falls down the, the mountain and mm-hmm. the ring falls off and Boromir picks up for a second, there's a shot of the ring and then Frodo and everyone in the background. They couldn't really get a good shot of the ring so they made like a big one that was like six <laughs> inches in oh. diameter to, for the shot. These people. Interesting. And it looks great. Movie magic. Movie, Movie magic. magic. All right, you want to hear some casting choices? Yeah. yeah. The twins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> they cast Elijah Wood out of a, like 150 auditions. I think he's dynamite. I think he's really, really good for like what the role is. He just looks so young. He's like 19, he he's 19 when young. they were filming it. I really like The Hobbits. I'm just going to run down a little bit. And if you have thoughts about these characters, just throw them out. I will. Okay. Sam, Mary, and Pippin. All great. I'm less keen on Mary, but Pippin's very funny. Mary is the number four Hobbit. Yeah. Pippin is funny. Pippin's a dumbass. That lo- the Lembus thing, the elfin elvish bread. Oh yeah, that part was great. <laughs> Lembus. Elvish way bread. One small bite is enough to fill the stomach of a grown man. 
How many did you eat? Four. That really landed. That's... Yeah, that landed hard with this crew. You know what's funny is like the line where he's like, I ate four. That's, that was always funny, but the one that's getting me more as I'm older is when Legolas is just like, this is elvish bread. He's like, one bite is enough to feed the stomach of a grown man. And they're both just like... Because <laughs> I'm like, huh. how often, how, how, every day, how many times does someone tell you something and you're like, huh? I just experienced the opposite. <laughs> No kidding. But in your, in your mind, you're like, oh, shit. I'm so sorry. Can we rank the Hobbits? I just... In the movies. In the, let's see this movie. We'll revisit. All right. Because my ranking's different. But in this movie, I would feel it's Frodo, Pippin, Sam, Mary. I would agree. I would say Sam, Frodo, Pippin, Mary. Good. And it's going to change. It will, It does change, yeah. yeah. That's We're some, all aware. That's something I like. That's something I thought it was a strength about the Avengers movies. Each movie kind of gives some people better moments to shine than others so some movies is like this is like your movie and you're not going to get much to do in the next one but like you're going to have a moment like they all have moments that like really are their character moments yeah gandalf originally the role was offered to sean connery thank goodness honestly he was offered 10 million dollars per film he turned it down because he quote did not understand the story (laughs) not appearing in the trilogy cost him an estimated 450 million dollars just like, I, well, I, didn't this I happen a few it. times? Didn't he turn down a few key fantasy roles? And then he went and did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> You're thinking. exactly right. He also turned down, I think, the role of Morpheus in The Matrix. Oh, my gosh. I could be wrong on that. But, yes, it was a few key things. And then he was like, I guess I got to do They gave fantasy. him LXG, yeah. which turned out to be a terrible movie. And he's like, I should do this because I keep messing up. And I keep, like, not following my gut. And then that was the last movie he was ever in, and he retired after that, and everyone hated that movie. It's really sad. Anyway, God rest his soul. We love him. Well, he's problematic as a person, but his on-screen performances were very Do you know good. what he reminds me of, like, just hearing these stories, is, like, the jock? Just being like, ah, I don't get it. Cool guy. He's, like, James Bond. He's... Yeah, like, the ladies' maze, like, nerd stuff. Yes. Ah. <laughs> we just... <laughs> he's... It's him. <laughs> Sean Connery. I'm being haunted by Sean Connery. It's also like, it's one thing to read the Matrix script and be like, what is this nonsense? I can't, I don't know, I can't see what you're trying to say, but like, Lord of the Rings has been around for like 50 years, and he's just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> George R.R. R. Martin, who wrote Game of Thrones. I found a quote from him about Gandalf's death in this movie. And then Gandalf dies. I can't explain the impact that had on me as at at 13. You can't kill Gandalf. I mean, Conan didn't die in the Conan books, you know? <laughs> Tolkien just broke that rule. And I love him forever for it. Because the minute you kill Gandalf, the suspense of everything that follows is a thousand times greater. Because now anybody could die. Of course, it's had a profound effect on my own willingness to kill characters at the drop of a hat. He took that to the extreme. He really did. Oh, you like this this entire cast? Gone. You want to? Oh, you like this cast now? Gone. And like same way with the Game of Thrones, where you're like anyone's expendable, and now there's like actual suspense. That's mm-hmm. kind of how you feel. You don't know, yeah. Yeah, you're like it. it well, Boromir dies thirty minutes later. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're like gives it stakes, like actual instead of them just like walking through killing all the bad guys and they're fine. Anthony Hopkins was a backup for Bilbo. Okay. I think he'd be fine. Yeah. I don't really like Ian Holm. I think there's something a little too sinister about him. Mm. I could, yeah. But Martin Freeman 
is pitch perfect casting for Bilbo. When they cast him, I was like, that's great. But there's something a little too mean about Ian Holm. I seem to remember incorrectly. I thought that scary part where he like lashes out is like, uh, was in the Shire. That's like a that's like a Dark Knight thing where you know that the the dead Batman's gonna hit the window. That's where I know I know the exact beat that it happens, and I always just kind of like watch. If there's someone who's not very familiar with the movie. Did just, I do anything? Oh, you jumped. Because that I remember that part when I was younger being so freaking scary. But I thought it was in Bilbo's house. I don't know why I got it's, this mixed up. It's so great. Because that's another thing too. Like you'll see this with Gollum. But the, the idea is that the ring slowly like changed Gollum's form into what he looks like now. So like the idea is like that's what Bilbo would look like Had over kept time. It, yeah. And it's so freaky. I think they yeah. they made like a mold of that face or something. That's yeah, that, that was that was a good scare. There was uh, another one I jumped at. I don't remember. It's when the troll comes around the corner. And I knew it was coming. It sets it up. Like, yeah, you're pretty aware it's going like... to happen. Can I actually pick a nit right there? You uh, can, please. One of my biggest pet peeves in the movie is when a character... It's one thing if the other characters in the movie think someone is dead, but they really almost try to fake out the audience. Did at any point... Has anyone watching this movie, when that troll stabs Frodo, think, like, Frodo's dead? <laughs> yeah. who would honestly think you know what I mean no one maybe I don't know but like who would actually think he's dead like why are we going through this whole we're going through all the motions of like the grief and like the slow-mo when I know that it's just going to be revealed that he's not actually dead it, that's something that bugs me so much <laughs> well in and you know that he's wearing the ch- the like chainmail situation right? yeah so or like you, unless you forgot but it, well, it just was like <laughs> set up just like 20 minutes before in that same moment right before the troll dies uh-huh. he like takes his finger and like does that with his like pulls down his lip like kind of like he's being like oh duh. no do you know why he does that no it's because right before that happens pippin is still on him stabs him one time in the neck and then he like jerks back out of pain and legolos lands one in his mouth oh. so he's like d- like trying to like huh like hit it out of his Interesting. mouth and then that makes more sense because thinking he's just like i'm dumb takes me right out of it can i tell you something i love about the action in this movie too let me explain this i want to ask you what you thought about the action because i know you're sometimes half and half on it mm-hmm. i thought the action is so expertly filmed because it's so clear right you know exactly what's happening and like it has good space like you know where everyone is relative to each other mm-hmm. and it's it's not just action for action's sake. It reveals character. How the characters are reacting in the moment reveals something about them. Whether that's like Boromir or Aragorn interacting in the cave. Or like Merry and Pippin like getting up courage to like jump in. Like the hobbits like, ah! And then like running into the fray even though they're just like vulnerable people. Even just how in that battle in Moria, in that tomb, they're slowly learning to be a team and work with each other. Mm-hmm. It's not just action for action's sake, which... You could argue maybe like the squid thing is because they need something right there. Sure. But this is like so stupid. I think it's it's fine, but it's also it's it's whatever. It's It's got to force them into the cave. Sorry. Sorry. I said it. Yeah. We're just pissed. What? (laughs) (laughs) Get out. (laughs) Serving the story. And even at the end, I'm on hen when they have the big fight with the Uruks. That also is them like as a team or like Boromir as part of his redemption is saving the hobbits. I've always just liked action, so I think I just liked it anyway. But now I realize I'm like, oh, in the moment, what were you thinking of the action? Did you like it? Was yeah, it whatever? I, I also noticed how they're working together as a team, specifically when they're jumping onto the stairs. Oh, yeah. And it's like any one of them could have gone further. 
and like but maybe in another like movie, but they just are like waiting they for like each other. very much care about each other and they care about this common goal. Yeah, that I, I like how they have like interesting pair ups of different characters helping other people out. Yeah. You feel like the camaraderie, oh, I guess. Man, that part is like my heart seriously just pounded. And then the the orcs start shooting at them. It's just like, oh, just this like, is get relentless. Out of here, man. Yeah. There are some badass moments with Legolas. I think he's kind of like a pretty light character. There's not much to him. Oh, he's freaking awesome. Are, he is the MVP. Look, when, yeah. I still think <laughs> nothing can touch Legolas. When the when the orcs are shooting down at him and it he shoots when it follows the arrow through that guy's head. Yeah. And then I don't know if you caught this because I've just like watched these fight scenes to death, right? But like when at the end. There's like a guy running pretty close and he pulls out an arrow, stabs him in the face, oh, and then yeah. shoots the guy behind him. There's also a little ad. I, I think this be- it was cut for like, it was too violent, but there's a part where Aragorn is running to get to Boromir and he like cuts a guy under his knee and the guy like drops to his knees and then he like sets his like sword right at his throat and just slits his throat. Did you catch that part? It's brutal. I yeah. remember, I kind of forgot like how I'm like, wow, you re- some of these like stabs you like kind of feel. You're like, oh. When uh, the last battle, uh-huh. um, there's a moment where Aragorn is struggling with one orc, and while he's struggling with one, Legolas shoots like eight. I love it. It's so, <laughs> it's so cool. It's, he's just like doom, doom, tailing doom, them all. Doom. Something I wanted to circle back to though before I forget. Yeah. Was the plural of Urukai. Uh-huh. Could you say that again? The Uruks. Okay. Interesting. Urukai or the Uruk. Or like Uruk is a, like, it's Uruk dash high. Uruk high. <laughs> but they are like the ones that Saruman grew. That right. That was great. Because I, I feel like normal orcs aren't that scary. They're dumb. They're scary, but they, yeah. they're not that menacing. And the point of these are they're cheap. like, they're like stronger and can move in sunlight. Yeah. And, and they're just like, tell oh, they're I didn't smart. the orcs can't move in sunlight. Yeah. And so like, that's why they try to get as far as they can in the daylight Mm -hmm. but that's why these ones were more threatening is because they can like just track them well that is a great advancement on Saruman's part I will I will give (laughs) that's one of the grossest things is when they're like being born out of the mud some of the Isengard stuff I'm like I don't really care like that's when I'm like can we get back to like the fellowship but I will say like there's some pretty amazing like camera shots sweeping through when he's like cutting down all the trees and they're like there's a lot of uh pro-environmental messaging I think in the books from Tolkien and like built in these movies of like you know, tearing down the forest to build, like, industry and, like, very negative. Mm. Which is funny because I feel like some people maybe don't pick up on that message, but it's there. It's definitely there. And it's hit especially hard in the next movie. Mm-hmm. We like Aragorn. Mm-hmm. We're fans of Aragorn. Oh, we are. 100%. We're Legolas Galvin. Question. Is is uh, Legolas, if you're a Legolas girl, does that mean that you're, like, kind of, like, like a wannabe popular girl? And is an Aragorn girl a horse girl? <laughs> Frodo girl is like kind of like drama kid, a little yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, is a Gimli girl like? Um... <laughs> Nobody's a Gimli girl. Gimli girls don't exist. I was. Let me just put it this way: a Legolas gal. Who's a Sam? I feel like a Sam girl is someone who just wants like someone like protect them, like a nice man. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What well, what kind of girl were you? I probably was Aragorn. He there's just he he's got a level of cool. He's so rugged. Yeah. Like, Here's the he, thing. There's no vanity about him. No. Okay. If we're playing he's like dirty and gross, he just like <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> if we're playing Screw kiss, Mary can, Kill. Yeah. Aragorn uh-huh. is Mary, right? Okay. Always. Legolas is F. <laughs> Gimli's kill. <laughs> Gimli is not even in the running. Okay. I would say it's Frodo, Legolas, Aragorn. No, it's um, screw Aragorn, marry Sam, well, Sam is kill Gimli. 
Oh, okay. Are we are, are we just basing off the fellowship? You didn't really establish like no, rules. No, you're right. Very you're well. right. Okay. I just I've never heard anyone else talk about anybody else. <laughs> Sam Lee. Sam is the guy you bring home. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like everything I would about bring him. Home- Aragorn would be way more impressive. He'd be like, hey, let's let's go wander through these forests for a while. There's something weird about him. I, I respect him, but he's Sam is like, he's the guy that's like, yeah, I wanna, Sam's a family I want to settle down. Yeah. Sam can make a good potato and sausage. Yeah, he okay, cooks for fair. you. He take care of you. He's yeah. always like, Frodo, you don't see, are you okay? Um, to the I, point where it almost it would almost that... be like, leave me alone, man. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you when totally. I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you screw Gandalf. That'd be wild. <laughs> I don't know what, what he's rock. got up his sleeve. <laughs> you got those moths coming in. I don't know. That beard. <laughs> that beard. Hair is just everywhere. I know. It's somehow it's wet. It's always, everyone's hair is always wet. It's sweaty. They're it works. Around. It Holy works. F Legolas, Mary Aragorn, kill Frodo. Absolutely, Ryan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. He's going to be a king. I think we all lose Gimli. That's Gimli's like... fine. Gimli's your comic relief. It's trying too hard, though. Pippin is a natural comic relief. Fair. Also, there's there's a whole almost hour, I feel like, where Legolas doesn't have a line. And no. then his only line on the mountain, or it's like when they get to the cave, is just a diss to Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? Did you like the dwarf elf? They hate each other. You caught that. Yeah. Elves are supposed to be very light, lightweight, like they don't weigh anything. He's like walking on the snow next to them. He's so cool. He's cool. He's awesome. Nobody's marrying Legolas because he's going to leave you and go off with the elves, right? That's why we, none of us picked him. Uh, actually, you know, I don't, this isn't spoiling anything. I don't really know what his fate is. Oh, but actually, I think I do know what it's supposed to be, so maybe I won't tell you. Okay. Well, uh. that's what I would assume, so I would say no to any sort of marriage proposal from him. But if you had to Here's pick Aragorn. No, you want to marry Sam. Because Sam's hey, a good I, guy. No, Sam's not Here's in the running. why you don't marry Aragorn. He feels a little dram- He's like kind of a drama queen. You know those people that they, only, they live for the drama of relationships, but if that fire ever went out, they wouldn't know what to talk about. He is defined by his like, oh, I love this elf, but we, it's not meant to be. That's like his entire thing. To the point where he's like singing that song. Frodo's like, what song are you singing? He's like, <laughs> Oh, that song? It's just about, like, my same situation, I guess. <laughs> like, that's his whole thing. I can't marry Sam because he's not in the, the big three. Well, okay, well, sure. If it's down, if you've got Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, it writes <laughs> no, itself. Frodo, There's no nuance. Not Gimli. Why is Frodo in there, but Sam's not? Because he's the literal main character. Well, the, actually, the literal main character, the titular Lord of the Rings. <laughs> titular. <laughs> is Sauron. Fair Okay. All right. Aragorn, I want to tell you a little bit about the casting of him. Yeah. They offered it to Daniel Day-Lewis, who turned it down. Nicolas Cage also declined from family obligations. (laughs) Vin Diesel also auditioned for it. (laughs) He wasn't ready. Oh. Viggo Mortensen was not the first person cast. It was a guy named Stuart Townsend. was cast as Aragorn. A couple days into shooting, the studio was like, I think he's too young. And then a few days in, Peter Jackson agreed. This is like, in my mind... Probably the same ranking of like uh, Doug Ray Scott having to like drop out of X-Men as Wolverine Mm -hmm. and recasting Eric Stoltz from Back to the Future. It's just, it's just, that's heartbreaking, man. You think you got it. You know what I mean? You're shooting. Oh yeah. That's Yeah. So they were were just like, they just fired him. Yeah. They're like, sorry. Sorry. Hopefully he still got paid. (laughs) I know. It's sad. It happens though. It does. But like. It kind of goes goes to show you, like, it's never a done deal till it's done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, they were, like, scrambling to find someone, and uh, 
They like reached out to a couple people. I think they wanted Russell Crowe as well. They like tried getting him. Um, they reached out to Vigo, who almost didn't take it, but his son convinced him to. And then he flew to New Zealand, read the entire book, like all three books on the flight and like did like a crash course training in stunt fighting. And like his first thing that he did was like film that fight against the Nazgul. And by all accounts, the crew just loved the hell out of him. He's kind of like Aragorn where he's like salt of the earth, like a real true normal guy. He would like mend his own costume when it would rip. And like they just, everyone just like loved him for it. Like he would carry on his sword just around town just at all times. He like loves horses. He like bought a bunch of the horses from the movies. His horse that he rides was like he bought and like that's his horse. Anyway, yeah, real horse girl energy. But like he is that, he is like a ranger of the north. That's like re- he really kind of is. Well, this is only strengthening my argument for Mary. <laughs> and Boromir, they offered it to Liam Neeson, who declined. They also considered Daniel Craig and Russell Crowe. All of those I think would have been okay. Actually, yeah, I think they all would have been. Yeah. I like Fine. I, I like all of those actually. Um but I like Sean Bean as Boromir a lot. Yeah. I think except he... I see his face and I just think of National Treasure for some reason. Oh really? Whoa. That's the first thing that I Interesting. Think of. Oh, yeah. That's funny. I'm not very familiar with those movies, so I always just think of Sean Bean as Boromir. But did you know that like a staple of Boromir of like Boromir, Sean Bean movies is that he always dies. <laughs> and there's like a super cut of Sean Bean deaths in movies. And he has gone on record and saying this was his favorite death. <laughs> I just think he is, he's such an interesting character. Yeah. But I love the dynamic between Aragorn and Boromir. Yeah. And just like how that grows over the movie where like Boromir resents him and what he means. You abandoned Gondor and like my, like my father, we've been like doing just fine without you. And then like over time, then like in Lothlorien where he's like, I've never seen his Aragorn. Cthulhu, glimmering like a spike of pearl and silver. Its banners caught high in the morning breeze. Have you ever been called home by the clear ringing of silver trumpets? I have seen the White City. Oh my God. One day, our paths will lead us there. And the tower guard shall take up the call. The lords of Gondor have returned. Anyway, and there's like a lot of those extra scenes that I feel like gives weight to that and makes him more a well-rounded character. Like he's not like he's not an, an evil character. Yeah, and I like yeah. that there's a lot of redeeming things about him, like when he's sparring with the hobbits and like they're rolling around and laughing, and like he's always like looking out for them, like very protective and mm-hmm. truly horrified when after he like realizes like what he did to Frodo. Yeah, yeah. and I think he does a great job as as being human because yeah, yes, totally. we have hobbits who are hobbits, we have a wizard, we have a dwarf, we have an elf, and he's human. Yes, Fl- and so flawed. Yeah, and. I don't know how much you remember the later movies, Courtney, but we, we, you'll find out what what his deal is, like why he is the way that he is. Because you'll because you meet his family, right? Yeah, you meet his brother and his dad. What would you want to be? Like of all those characters, not not the characters, but like species species. <laughs> I don't know. They all have like I was thinking the elf about is this, the only one, right? But I was thinking about this, and I was like, all of them have like except I don't I don't feel like you get to see enough of Gimli. Really? You don't want to be a dwarf. No. Yeah. I mean, all of them have, like, interesting things that help them. Like, the hobbits are really small and they can hide. Um, And they're really scrappy. Like, they can just kind of find what's around them. The elves are obviously just the elves. I mean, like, you're mortal. You're elegant. Multilingual. 
But you could be like a wizard and you could speak languages. Being a wizard would be pretty cool. But a wizard, you're just like hanging. I think, well, I don't know. I'm torn between the elf would be very cool. I'm also very like drawn to like uh, hobbits are homebodies. I know. Like they're just like, hey man, I just want to live here. Like the vibe of the Shire is just. Just like I got my pigs and like I'm just. Yeah. I'm I'm, like, I want to enjoy life and I'm taking it easy. And that's what I'm all about. Honestly. Gandalf's like a vagabond. He just like roams around. And it's like, he is solving everyone's shit. He is constantly, like, especially in these movies, he's just like, oh, okay, well, now I gotta do this. And now I gotta, I gotta go to this now. And, like, he's solving everyone's problems. And that would be very stressful. That's true. I would either go Hobbit or Elf. It's, yeah. Those are the options. Totally. Men are okay. I mean, men are yeah, fine. Men are fine. Well, we are but if, you're, but if you're gonna be a man, you might as well be an elf. True. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you have this. I remember reading a while back when I watched this last time. Um, that they messed around with a few different people narrating at the beginning. They did, yeah. Um, and finally landed on her because she's kind of like ever being like she's been around. Yeah. So they even like they at one point just jumped right into like Bilbo talk like writing his book and talking about hobbits. But they were like, we need something to like set the story. The story like, and that's what they landed on. Yeah. At one point, I think they had Gandalf maybe doing it. I think Gandalf, and then maybe even Bilbo. Yeah. And they, yeah, they they liked Galadriel felt timeless and that yeah. she would have seen these events too. Been Her narration feels very like old. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. ancient. I'm for the most part hate like exposition dumps like that. Mm-hmm. But something about it, I don't mind. It doesn't it. feel no. like that. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel like It doesn't work. feel like, oh my gosh, they're yeah. just like it's unloading the ton, whole lore. It's not a ton of information to be honest. No. And I think because it, it's seven minutes long, and I think because it takes its time, it also doesn't feel too rushed. Like here, here's some things you gotta know. Here now, here's the story. It's difficult adapting books, right? So like, I think it's it's interesting how the second and third movies open because with each movie you have to have a definitive opening and ending, right? Yeah. So like, the first book ends with Frodo getting away from Boromir and he and Sam going off, mm. and the second book starts with Aragorn finding Boromir already like wounded. So the whole battle is skipped and Aragorn doesn't even participate in it. But they're like, hey, well, this needs to have a climax. This needs to function as like still like a natural story. So they're like, let's move some of the end of two, have an actual ending. And they like that. You're the main Urukai. They like that's an invention the of the Yeah, the boss Urukai. That's an invention of the movie to be like, we need the villain to kind of be like personified as one person to have them for so they have victory over him. Right. Not just orcs. Yeah. Okay. And even like when you see all of Gandalf's stuff with Saruman getting trapped, that's told to you later. You're just with the hobbits and they have no idea where Gandalf is in the book. Yeah. Until they meet with him in Rivendell and Gandalf's like, all of this stuff happened with Saruman. But they get to show it and it works a lot better. Guess what? Saruman? Not good. Yeah. Wow. When he when he is what. spinning, oh, there's yeah. something so haunting about it's that. It's like unnatural. It's weird looking. Yeah. He's like at an angle and just spinning in a circle. Here's the thing though. And this is like something where it's just like the first scene you're basically introduced to him is when he like betrays you. Yeah. So you're, it's not like you're really like shocked. Oh no, oh. we lost our friend. But also he comes out just like bellowing. Well, he also like his tower looks menacing and evil and he walks down looking creepy as pho. Yeah. And you're just like, well, that guy's probably a are bad you good? guy. So then in five minutes when he's, <laughs> but he's like, wearing white. When he's like, by the way, I'm evil. You're like, of course you are. Look at you. <laughs> But you kind of just think he's an asshole. Did you catch his dig at Gandalf when he's like, he calls him out for being a pothead? So the ring of power has been found. All these long years, it was in the shower, under my very nose. And yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. 
Because they're oh always gosh. smoking that pipe. He's like, you know, he Gandalf blows the ship through. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Jackson called it the world's largest home movie due to the independence of filming in New Zealand, which he's a native, mm. and the sense of family and camaraderie among the cast and crew. Peter Jackson is just a good dude. That's everything I've learned about these films and like him as a person. He's just like a good guy. Nothing like... He's so down to earth, and I think it's because he's a New Zealander, honestly. People from that part of the world seem to just like not really have like a, an ego. Because of the, some of the areas, the remote locations they were filming, the crew carried survival kits in case helicopters couldn't get to them because oh of the gosh. places they were filming, like up the mountains. Sean Bean had a fear of flying, so he refused to take helicopters up to locations so he would wake up two hours earlier, dress up as Boromir, and walk up the mountains. And the other cast said they could see him like, like as they go past. It's just him walking up with his shield. That there, is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Isn't that nuts? There was a scene involving the Fellowship escaping the Uruks at the river that they had to cut that whole sequence because there was a flood in Queensboro and it washed away the set. Oh my gosh. Viggo Mortensen bruised his face while surfing. So there's some sequences in Moria when they're in the tomb that's it's all from his profile. It's because his face was bruised and they couldn't like cover it up well enough with makeup. So they shot wow. all of his scenes from this side. The Scream of the Nazgul is co-writer and co-producer Fran Walsh. That's her actual scream <laughs> is the Nazgul scream. Oh, it's so terrifying. Oh, can I tell you something <laughs> weird too? So the part when the Nazgul are converging on the hobbits, by oh the way, that gosh. part's so scary because they are so tiny and they are so big. Yeah. yeah. Especially as a kid, that's relatable. We were like, we're, huh. you're small. <laughs> the lyrics of like the song, the music that's playing, the, the translated lyrics are, we deny our maker. We cling to the darkness. We grasp for ourselves power and glory. Now we come, the nine, lords of eternal life. The earth groans and the wind, the wind is crying. Oh. <laughs> the creepiest shit. Oh my gosh, yes. There is a cameo in this film. One of the elves is Brett McKenzie, one of Flight of the Concords. I forgot to watch for him. He is a New Zealander. He gets a line in the third movie because so many people noticed him. They came up with a fake name for him, which is Figwit, which stands for Frodo is great. Who is that? <laughs> the guy who's in the main Uruk, the, the makeup and prosthetics. His vision was so impaired by the makeup that he couldn't pull any of his punches when he fights Viggo Mortensen. So he's just like laying into him. And the part where you know how like Viggo stabs him uh-huh. in the knee and he pulls it out. He accidentally didn't mean to actually throw the knife the way that he did. So he's actually throwing the prop knife at Viggo Mortensen who actually bats it out of the air. Oh my gosh. Wow. So it's great. Man. That part where he licks the, the sword or the knife is so creepy. That is actually, that little clip is extended. They ha- they cut that out, I'm sure, uh, because of like rating stuff. But yeah. that part is nasty. It, yeah. What about sick. when he stabs him and he just like grabs him and is pulling him closer? You're just like, Oh, it's you're so like, scary. You are. All right, the movie was released December 19th, 2001. 91% Rotten Tomatoes. It made $888 million. It was a phenomenal hit. 13 Oscar nominations, including for Best Picture. It won four, Cinematography, Visual Effects, Makeup, and Original Score. Wow. All deserved. Yeah. All on all accounts. Those are incredible, especially mm-hmm. the score. As we've especially talked about. the score. Especially the score. Makes me cry. It's amazing. Did any of the characters get nominated for, like... Acting? No. I, don't, I actually don't think that any of them did in any of the movies. That's weird. Uh, yeah. Well, I... For some reason, that kind of... I feel like they would, like, today. I I think you're right. And I think especially for the third one, because the third one wins Best Picture. Mm. And it's not... I think the first one is the best movie of the three, if I had to, like, rank them. But I really think the third one was like, hey, you did this 
crazy thing. We're giving this to you. And this represents like all of them. Yeah. And I do think now you would have some acting like nominations of like, hey, you were in this whole thing and it's crazy. Here's at least a nomination, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The, the attitude's very different. Yeah. I even think this was crazy that like they were so well regarded. I would have nominated um, Viggo Mortensen, I think. I think so too. Maybe Ian McKellen. Sean Bean even. Uh, <laughs> Viggo Mortensen now just reminds me of, why are you always brushing my balls? <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. I, for, I forgot about the whole bit. Isn't he just like That's a all I could different think about. person? Yeah. He's a different person. Oh, like, I mean, 20 he's 20 years, years ago, older. But yeah, I know. It's, it's weird, but right? But like, it's so crazy to think of that. Like him in Green Book versus him in the race. It's just it's so well, he's funny. like this cool young guy. Yeah. And oh, he's grew up. My balls. Why are you pushing my balls? I have vivid memories in I remember it was August, maybe even August sixth. I'll look that up. Whoa. Of when it came out in VHS, waking up at six AM in the morning to go with my sister and my mom to Walmart to buy the VHS release. And then we immediately watched it. And wow. Six thirty AM. Yeah. Yeah. And we it was great. I just man. I loved everything about this movie. They released the extended edition that following Christmas leading up to the release of The Two Towers. And I also remember begging my mom because I knew she had it. I was like, please, I know you're going to give this to me on Christmas, but like, I, I need to see this before I go see The Two Towers. I really want to see the extended one. So she let me. So, of course she did. Like, because then you had three Christmases in a row. And then in 04, you had the extended release of the third one. It was just like, that's what Christmas was for a time was these movies. Yeah. Oh, man, I loved it. Okay. Favorite character. Sam. Sam didn't have to go. He was asked and he said, okay. And then he just takes his role so seriously. Like Mm -hmm. he knows he's not the one that has to hold the ring, but he has to take care of Frodo. And he does, he does that. I think Frodo, because he's just like, he's carrying this heavy thing that he, he like doesn't want to, but he like is doing it because he's so good. It's it's just like, you know, that he's just so like anxious about it the whole time. Something I didn't mention was his fingernails. They're crazy, right? The cuticles. They're insane. Yeah. I really like he's reluctant. And you can tell in the part when at the Council of Elrond, he's like out. He took it there. He's done. You know what I mean? He can go back home now. And everyone's like yelling and squabbling. And he's just like. I will take it. I will take the ring to Mordor. No. I do not know the way. He's like so good. I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. And then him being like, I know what I have to do. I have to leave everyone to go by myself. Is it just, is it with him because he's so, he's not going to get, I mean, like I know that it starts to weigh on him and like he starts to get kind of weird. It's kind of what we were talking about Hobbits. And like Gandalf even says this, he's like, Hobbits show extraordinary resilience to its evil. And I think it's because they're so inherently like good. They just care about the right things and they're not easily corruptible. But I also like, this is one of my my cry moments when he's talking to Gandalf. Oh my gosh, yeah. Gollum's chasing him. There's like two moments in that one. First when Gollum's there and Frodo just in his anger is like, It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. 
that scolding kind of like reorients him a little bit and that's when he like it's kind of like the root of what is actually bothering him mm -hmm. I wish the ring had never come to me I wish none of this had happened so do all who live to see such times but that is not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us Other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring. In which case, you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. I just, and I feel this so much. Because don't you just feel this all the time, especially with like the past year? And like everyone has stuff like this in their lives where they're just like, I wish this hadn't happened to me. Mm -hmm. Totally, yes. I, th I thought about that. And because I just was picking apart, because it's presented a, like twice in the movie. Yeah. But like, I was thinking of like Gandalf's reply. One, it validates him. Everyone yeah. feels like that. But you still need to do something. Like, you can't change what happened. You can only change what you do going forward. It's like, but it's normal to feel shitty. But it's up to you what you choose to do with yes. it. Yes. Yeah, it's so good. I remember thinking in the very beginning when Gandalf says, Bilbo left this for you, and how in life sometimes things get handed to you, and you have no idea how much it's going to change you and like affect you. And sometimes it's not even up to you. Like, exactly. It's just like, I didn't ask for I this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't bring this ring into my life. You don't even know what it means in the moment, uh -huh. but it's the catalyst that's changing everything. I love the line right after, and he's like, there are other forces in this world besides the work of evil. You just kind of like, you forget that sometimes when you're just like, everything sucks and people are shitty and everything's awful. There are other things going on besides terrible people. And it's like that. Oh my gosh. What's his name? Fred. Armisen. Rogers. <laughs> Fred Rogers. <laughs> both, both are inspired. Mr. Rogers. But yeah, like the look for the helpers thing. Uh, where yeah. it's like Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you were also meant to have it. That's mm -hmm. encouraging. It's so beautiful. It truly like makes me feel good when I watch it. Like I feel better and like more optimistic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good pick. Thank you. Who's yours? Boromir. Oh. I love Boromir. I think like we he said he's flawed. He's so interesting. Mm -hmm. There's so much more going on to him rather than just like having a villain like like a Judas Iscariot on the team. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't know. I, I love like that last scene with him in Aragorn. I would have followed you, my brother. My king. Son of Gondor. Should we okay. start calling each other that? <laughs> yeah. My brother and my. My brother, my captain, captain my king. king. Well, I'll just my record out like, Oh, hello, little masters. <laughs> <laughs> when he says it, it's very Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> that whole vibe. <laughs> Or the guy at the door. I didn't mean no offense. <laughs> and then There's he just, strange folk abroad. He gets flattened by the, the my nine. Job asks questions overnight. Oh, when the Nazgul show up. That part is when they go thrilling. When the guy, like the the innkeeper, is like crying and like huddled behind the door, and they're just anyway. Yeah. Okay. Least favorite character. Gimli. Fair. Arwen. I kind of say every elf except for the main ones. <laughs> That's fair. They're just standing there, kind of. Especially the blonde ones where they're like, you're not all blondes. What about Galadriel's, uh, like, boring husband? <laughs> yes. Where is Gandalf? <laughs> I much desire to speak with him. You really do like, know every you, word. I do. It's like, you could do so much better. 
Most engaging moment. Okay, I have two. Okay, the part where the Nazgul show up at the inn, that is terrifying. It really is. Truly terrifying. Not as scary now as it was when I was younger, but when they creep in silently to the bedroom, they think the hobbits are in. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear Lord. It's so (laughs) scary. Agreed. And then the other part is the when they're trying to run to the bridge and Gandalf dies. That part really just gets me. And it's it's like a little bit of your height thing. Like that, like, I, I think. It was, oh, my gosh. I was, when Boromir thinking, almost trips over and like oh, almost yeah. pulls him back. I was thinking about when we went, when we went to Hawaii and there was that bridge that you hated because <laughs> yeah. it was like over a pond yeah. and it was so thin to walk over. And That's I just was literally like, what oh. I was always thinking about. <laughs> you were thinking about oh. this. I was like, this is the bridge of Casa Doom. <laughs> it was like that same. And much like them like... being attacked by orcs, we were constantly on the, on being attacked by ducks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I still have one of the funniest memories, which is basically when a bunch of ducks were kind of like gang raping another duck. That's not the funny memory. <laughs> But it's when we were telling everyone about it afterwards, and Matt Rattel was just like, oh, nature is so metal. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it was nature, so funny. Totally it's so metal. Like, and like the one duck was like, and we were like, do we help it? Like, yeah, like, it was there's stressful. Like, there's like feathers going everywhere. It's like, it was really upsetting. Yeah, it was It was the worst. Just yeah. on this like beautiful resort in Hawaii. <laughs> just oh, these stupid duck i did think that that part's very engaging because it's so nerve-wracking yeah that's a great that's a great pick i guess i have two as well i guess two's the thing now let's do it i'll pick two <laughs> um i love i love the whole like the shots and the scene of arwen carrying frodo and the nazgul chasing her okay yeah i think oh, that yeah. is so cool and the, the camera's like above them and you can kind of see how the nazgul are like around her well, when like and like one by one they keep adding to it to the yeah there is that big shot like all nine and you're like oh mm-hmm. my gosh um, and then she gets to the water and the water becomes like horses that that trample them yeah. I I think that's so cool yeah if you want him come and claim him um and and maybe this this next one is cheap but pretty much everything that happens after <laughs> Frodo takes off the ring after Boromir tries to hurt him, it's just fire from then on. Yeah. Like everything that's happening, I'm, I'm, you're, it's, it's wrapping up, but it's like, you don't know what's going on. Totally. Uh, that's, that's great. I actually picking basically two of yours and they're basically extended sequences, like from when Frodo and Gandalf have that conversation in Moria mm-hmm. until they get out and after Gandalf's fall and they're just like sobbing the oh, reaction, yeah. that death scene, like their reactions to it is like, it's heartbreaking. Sam just weeping. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Oh. And he's just like, give him a minute. Yeah, and Aragorn has to like, he's like, I'm the dad now. I have yeah. to be like the mean, like, <laughs> like I'm worried about surviving now. And then like you just said, from the Boromir attempt to take the ring mm-hmm. all until the end, there's just so many beats. And like, particularly the one that always affects me is when Merry and Pippin are like, Frodo, I'm here, quick. Come on. No! Run, Frodo. Go. Hey! Hey, you! Over here! Hey! Over here! This way! The Uruk see them and they realize, like, we are going to die now. But, like, you're more important. But this was our role. Yes. Yeah. All right, sorry. Least engaging. 
Um, I don't love Rivendell. Pretty, but it just, there's not a lot. There's a lot of, um, this is going to make me sound stupid, but there's a <laughs> lot of talking and not a lot of like exciting things going on. That's fair. They're just kind of talking about who's going to do what. And it's just kind of like necessary. It's like a necessary scene. But also I wonder if it's the way we watched it. That was like the tail end of a movie, basically. Yeah. But if you're watching it entirety, it's like a breathing point and like a re- regroup into yeah. like another act. Maybe Lothlorien. Okay. Because I'm like, we've kind of already seen elves at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lady Gladriel. When Arwen first shows up to get Frodo, and it's just kind of slow-mo, and she's like, even when he's like freaking out, she's like, don't give in. Not now. I'm like, what is this? You just met this guy. <laughs> Some of the Arwen stuff loses me. And like mostly the Isengard stuff, except for when uh, Gandalf's oh, yeah. being prisoner. I like oh, that. Yeah, that's but when wild. it's just like, all right, let's catch up on how uh, Saruman's business is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's true. Isengard's and like, I get it's boring. necessary for the plot development, like for like plot. Yeah. But anyway. Um, all right. Crying. Did we cry? Did you cry, Courtney? I cried once. Yeah. You cried once. What? What was your one the, cry? The second time that they have the conversation about you have this time and what are you going to do with it? And then really he just good. goes for it. Like he just like. And the music is like swelling. It's yeah. like, go do, you can do it. And and then continuing on when Sam goes after him. That yeah. whole part it made me cry. That's a good one. My captain, my, my brother, my captain, my king. Um, <laughs> and then really just Sam got me this time. As soon as Sam is like, gets in the water, I water. Go back, Sam! I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are! And I'm coming with you! There was just moments where I was like kind of sort of constantly sort of crying. The one that like, initiated it was when Aragorn is like, I swore to protect you. Can you protect me from yourself? Would you destroy it? I would have gone with you to the end. Into the very fires of Mordor. Yeah. you're like, that dude would. Like, I know that he would. <laughs> He's a horse guy, and they, they, there's something stronger about them. He sounds like a great candidate for getting married. <laughs> well, Sam's the huh? one that goes with him, so... Uh, <laughs> everyone just lets him go pretty easy. I don't know. <clears throat> Sam fought for him. <laughs> but yeah, and then, like, to the end, basically, I'm just like, man... Oh, I'm, I'm excited for round two on Wednesday. How did it hold up to like how you felt about it? Is it I, better? Is it like yeah, whatever? I, I, no, it's about it's about the same. It's 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 good. I mean, it's all, I've never I've never like not liked them. I've always really liked them. Uh, let's end with one thing that we're all looking forward to. Probably actually in like the next couple hours, but I'll be watching this weekend. WandaVision premieres, and I am so pumped. So we haven't had, something we haven't had Marvel to. content for so long. Yeah. A year and a half. That's yeah. going to be ex- very exciting. Yeah, wow, so a year and a half. You guys oh can pick gosh. that too, but I'm just saying that's something I'm like, oh, it's good to look forward to stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mine's a little boring, but I'm just looking forward to it being the weekend because this is like right now where we're at is like the sweet spot in the week where so much time is ahead of you that you don't have to work. <laughs> oh, isn't that the best? Yeah. And then it gets to Sunday, five o'clock and you just, the tick down starts. I think both, both of what you've said. Um, I'm excited for both of those things, the weekend, but also very much WandaVision. I'm excited for, uh... The crime movie coming out at the end of this month, Little Things. I think it's oh, yeah. going to be oh, yeah. fun and weird. And I was actually considering watching the Netflix series about the is it the Night Stalker. 
Did you see that? Oh, I haven't watched it, but I have been you, staying away do you think that's from a good true idea? crime for the last oh, two and a half months. I had to months. give up true crime for a while because it was keeping me. I up. know that's how I've been, but I just this one looks really good. Ryan, as always. Thank you so much for coming over and watching these with us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Is this kind of like the end of our fellowship? What Kind of. Who would we go with? I don't know. Oh, I'm sticking with Aragorn and Legolas. I'd probably be kidnapped with the Uruks. <laughs> I'm pretty lazy. I guess you, that leaves you with the ring. I, I'd be do I have the ring or am I Boromir? Am I dead? <laughs> we left Ryan behind. <laughs> Where can people find us if they want to reach this podcast? You can find us on Instagram at Wife Watches. You can find us on Twitter at Wife underscore Watches. Note the underscore. You can find us anywhere podcasts are being listened to. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. And remember, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work, Frodo, than the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought.